Hello, Two Principles podcast listeners. We are so grateful for all the support and appreciate you checking in with us wherever you listen to your podcast. We would love for you to follow, subscribe, and rate review our podcast. You can also follow us on all of our social media accounts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Two Principles. Check us out on the web at twoprinciples.com. We are so grateful for our Two Principles podcast partners, HealthWise Behavioral Health and Wellness. As a team of experienced licensed psychologists, clinical therapists, medical professionals, and mind-body practitioners, HealthWise offers a wide range of mental health services for individuals of all ages. HealthWise is grounded in a philosophy that considers the whole person. We are excited to record our Two Principles podcast from the beautiful HealthWise Yoga and Wellness Studio located right here in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Green Boy Brand. We want to thank Green Boy Brand for helping us design our Two Principles artwork and logo. They can help you customize your brand. If you're looking for an artwork design or logo or some cool merchandise, check them out at greenboybrand.com. They have done work for schools, businesses, sports organizations, and everything in between. When you go with Green Boy, you're choosing to get a personal touch rather than a cookie cutter look. Welcome to the Two Principles Podcast, where we help you get out of your head and into your heart. The Two Principles Podcast, life and leadership talk inside and out. A better you makes for a better today. It starts with you. I'm Jacob Terrace, and I'm hanging out with the Two Principles. Yeah, man. Hey, Kevin, I'm so pumped up to have Jake on the show. He is, he is somebody that when we uh, found out and got connected with him and he said he was going to come on the show... Um, just super excited. Hey, I got to ask you, Jake, do you have like, do you have like a walk-up song or a song that just fires you up? Like if you were going to get, go on a run or whatever you do, what's a song that you just would jam out to? Um, you know, my buddy, a uh, good friend of mine, his, his, uh, his ring call for me is, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Scorpions. Yes. Oh well, yeah. Not, we got the, 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 to put the, it the zoo. What's the that? zoo? The zoo. Kevin, find um, the zoo scorpions. You can find that and play that right now. We're going to listen to that. This is it, right? Yeah, that's it. Bam. We're bringing in Jake with his walk-up song, man. Here we go, brother. All right. <laughs> Hey, Kev, you're good back there then? We're good. All right, let's do man. This. Hey, let's go spread some good out into this podcast universe. Hey, it's that time. The mics are hot. Hello and welcome to today's show. As always, super fired up to be here today with my good friend, Kevin. And I cannot tell you again how excited to have, I'm going to call Jake the Iceman, but also the Samurai <laughs> of the Soul today. We're going to call him a lot of different things. But Jake Kateris is on the show today. I'm Jason Paris. I'm Kevin Jost. And we are the Two Principles, the Two Principles podcast where we put the focus on leadership, work-life balance, stress reduction, mental health, and everything in between. Hey, thanks for tuning in today as we can continue to walk this journey together one step at a time, one conversation at a time. Hey, every episode, we will stay true to the Two Principles purpose. We will consider the impact of our words and actions. We will be in the moment. We will stay present. We're going to give it our best today. And of course, we are always going to have a little bit of fun. 
absolutely. And uh, Jake, we, you know, we, one thing we're doing, and this is something I want to talk a little bit about, cause this, we call it the mailbag and we we've opened up our online clothing store, but we're doing it. We want to do it a little different um, because I think our moms were kind of saying, Hey, we want to order some stuff. And Kevin and I are like, okay, seriously, we'll, we'll open one up, but we're going to do it in a way that if anybody does purchase our stuff, we are, we're going to give our profits towards the organization. And, and you have chosen the Kansas city uh, Hispanic development fund. And I'm just going to quickly say something before I'm going to ask you a little bit about why. So we have our two principles online clothing store. You can check that out on our website. Uh, Green boy brand is helping us out with that. Jake's store is going to open up May 3rd and closes May 16th and orders will be delivered the week of June 5th. And again, profits from Jake's clothing store here from May 3rd to May 16th, they're going to go to, um, the greater Kansas city Hispanic development fund. And Jake, I know you shared a little bit. Well, I want you to tell the listeners why you chose that organization. Well, a good friend of mine, a guy who is a, a sports radio talk show host here in Kansas city. I produced his radio show for 20 years, uh, on ESPN affiliates, 810 WHB. He, uh, he brought me into the business. He brought me in as an intern at WHB right out of college. And, uh, and then we just, we worked together for 20 years as an intern. And then he brought me on as his producer. Uh, and he lost his mom, uh, a year, about a year before I did. And so we kind of went through that grieving process, uh, together. Um, he lost his mom in 06. I lost my mom in 07. Um, so we kind of, you know, um, we kind of had that common bond and it was interesting. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, but like, uh, so my mom wrote, my mom got to be really close with, with his name, Steven St. John. Okay. Uh, got to be really close with Steven. And, uh, when his mom passed away, my mom like wrote him a hand, handwritten letter. And, 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 um, it was a really awesome letter. And like a couple of weeks after my mom had passed, once I came back to work, uh, he actually took, had saved that letter and gave it to me. And so, um, it was really cool to read my mom's words to him when he lost his mom. And so I got to read what my mom said to him and it was, uh, it was a really cool experience. So anyways, we got to be really close. He's a dear friend of mine. Uh, I'm a godfather to his, his youngest son, Philip. And, uh, and so about three years ago, I want to say in 2020, uh, he surprised me on air because uh, he does a lot of charity work for the Hispanic Development Fund. And he surprised me. He said, hey, I'm starting this. And he did this live without me knowing on our show. Uh, and he had the the head of the Hispanic Development Fund in studio. And we were talking about a fundraiser. And then he announced the, the name of the charity. And it was it was named after his mom, Julie Ontraveras St. John, and then my mom, Deborah Douglas Gutierrez. And so for the last three years, we've... Uh, we pick about the it's a it's a scholarship fund to help uh, youth Latinos in the Kansas City area. Uh, we provide them with you know it, it's an application process, so we go through applications every year and we pick about two or three um, individuals and, and we donate to to their scholarship fund in the name of our mothers uh, for for their continuing education in college. So we usually you know we usually pick you know like. Um, my mom went to the University of Kansas. Um, his mom went to, you know, uh, a, a, a small high school here in town. So we kind of we kind of pick, you know, students that have some type of um, a relationship. You know, we pick kids that have come out of his mom's high school and, and kids that have 
gone on to the University of Kansas. So it's um, it's we've done it for the last three years, and so that's it's that's the foundation. It's uh, the the Julie Entrevere St. John and the Deborah Douglas Gutierrez Foundation. What a cool thing! Yeah, super ship. cool, super yeah. cool that you guys are. And doing. we're both Hispanic, so you know, uh, yeah. and that's that's kind of that's kind of the full circle, yeah. you know, to give back to the Hispanic that's awesome. community. Very cool. So again, Jake, like I said, anybody out there that is uh, wants to purchase uh, any of our stuff, again, the profits, we're not, uh, Kevin and I are doing just fine. And we just, we thought, you know, uh, how can we maybe give back a little bit out uh, in, in a small way? And so this is one of the ways we'll do this. And so hopefully it's not just Kevin's mom and my mom buying this stuff. <laughs> There's other people buying it too. But if not, hey, all that money, all those profits, Jake, will go to that organization. And we would be absolutely honored to be able to um, give money to that, to your organization. So that's just fantastic. And um, that, the, the, uh, what does it say? The the show that you produced, that was called the Border Patrol, correct? Is that st- that's still the Border Patrol, right? Yeah, they're still doing a show. It's every morning from uh, six to ten a.m. Still on. I still tune in occasionally, and and it's they're doing great. So is that, um, you, you is it SSJ? Is that what he goes by? <laughs> that's what he goes by. SSJ. SSJ. Okay, because I, I I listened to uh, you and him when you were telling them that you were going to step away. And the yeah. emotion and the emotion there. And I thought that, and that's what one of my questions was going to be today was like, are you guys still, and it sounds like you yeah. guys have a great relationship and you guys, that's fantastic. I actually, that's the podcast. He does a, a weekly podcast called hot Mike with SSJ. That's I went into the studios today, this afternoon and recorded uh, an episode with him this week. So Man. yeah, we're still, we still keeping, you know, it's like, you know, he's, he's like a brother from another mother, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, hey, we are again grateful you're on the show today. We're going to have some fun. Kevin, let's introduce uh, Jake uh, to the listeners here. Hey, Jake. Hey, so Jake is a retired sports talk radio TV producer, former college athlete, author of The Samurai of the Soul. He's giving thousands of people new perspectives and ways to grow through life's most challenging moments. He specializes in seeking the heart of the matter and translates these inner understandings or inner standings into success transformation and strategies for others to use in their own lives by focusing on the soul behind the being he helps people on their journey in healing themselves bringing them out the samurai inside or bringing out the samurai inside everyone so that cool, was much dude. better <laughs> Oh, you both man. you both killed it yeah so you guys are becoming pros at this yeah man. you well, guys are Jake, doing great super excited to have you on again hey so we uh like we were talking before the show started uh we do this random question of the show and it's just kind of a fun way to get to know our guests a, a little differently and uh it's also kind of fun because some of our listeners now are using it out in different ways and so we found that out too so it's kind of cool so last episode's question was if if you uh had a plane ticket to go anywhere in the world where would you go who um i think i'd go to the fiji islands mm. fiji islands okay right. um i'm i'm a big i've been to maui a couple of times and that is um that is a special place to me um it, it it's a place that i i eventually i think i might end up if i uh play my cards right i mean <laughs> uh we'll see you know I, i'm uh i'm living my life uh just about three or four months at a time right now um 
but there's just a special spiritual feeling I get when I, when I go to Maui, um, in Hawaii. Um, and, and I went and did a retreat with Ram Das back in 2018, you know, formerly Richard Alpert, uh, professor at Harvard, but a spiritual guru guy, um, a a very, a very important person in my spiritual journey, but, uh, uh, I've never, you know, I've never been to Fiji and, and that place looks like it's, uh, it's a pretty special place. So I would, uh. I think Fiji Islands would be the answer to that you question. Take that, Jason. take it. That sounds beautiful. I think that would be great. I'd love to go there too. All right. So this episode's question has to do with kind of want to know the the uh, excitement side of Jake. So, Jake, would you you have to pick between these two? Would you rather go whitewater rafting or would you rather go hang gliding? Uh, I've been whitewater rafting a couple times. Okay. Um, so, so I think uh, hang gliding. I check that off the list. So you've never, you've never done the hang gliding and anything. No, else? I have some some cousins and my uncle. They live out in Carlsbad, and, and they do. Um, they they. It's not hang gliding, but it's um. God, what is it called? They. It, it's like flying a pair. They fly like a parachute. It's oh uh, yeah, paragliding. Oh, paragliding. paragliding. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that, I mean, they're crazy and they, they, you know, they, they, they're a different breed. Those are the ones that they can like whip around and do those loops. Yeah. And, they, they basically yeah. run off a mountain yeah. and, 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 you know, throw your shoot yeah. up. Yeah. And, no, uh, I, so, I, I don't know about that one, man. I don't know. <laughs> so, Kevin, what about you? What no, would I, you... I stay on the water. I, I know. I, I, I don't like the heights. Yeah, you so, are. I know you. Yeah. I, I, it's a I, lot of fun. Whitewater rafting is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had an I've, opportunity to do it, but I would, I would do it for sure. I've done it, but I don't think I've done it. Like, let's say in Colorado or where you can really kind of, where you, you know, you might have a guide in your, uh, in your raft to make sure that everything's yeah. going, but I'd love to do that. So I would, I'd probably say that, but hang gliding, I think I would, I would try that. I think there was be something about just floating through the air like that. I don't know. It's something cool. So Hey, we learned something about Jake. It's good. That's good. Let's kick. Let's kick this off and learn a little bit more. We'll go a little yeah, deeper. Um, deep here, Jake. Why don't you just kind of give us a general sense of who you are, your background, uh, where'd you grow up, where'd you go to school? I know. You, I know you went to school and played soccer. Um, you know how, how'd you how'd you land in in radio, um, and then kind of how you moved and transitioned into what you're doing now. Yeah, well, um, so I grew up in Overland Park, Kansas. It's a suburb of Kansas City. Uh, it's about 20 minutes south of Kansas City on the Kansas side. So a lot of people don't know that there's Kansas City, Kansas, and there's Kansas City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a river, there's a river that separates them. Uh, and so it's like two totally two different governments. Yeah. Kansas City, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, but I grew up, I mean, state line is is 10 minutes. So, you know, you can get to Missouri in 10 minutes from where I am and where I grew up. Um so, you know, I grew up playing all kinds of sports. I'm the middle child of three brothers. You know, uh, I have an older brother, uh, Dusty. He's uh, eight years older than me. And then I have my younger brother, Derek. He's two years younger than me. And so, uh, I mean, I grew up in a cul-de-sac in a, in, in a suburb with uh, two other uh, giant families, uh, th- you know, three Catholic families, you know, as the three guitarist boys and the Ranella family, which, you know, they had like, there were seven of them and then the Rodriguez family and there were six of them. So there was always pickup basketball games going on, pickup soccer games, home run derby. Um, 
So I just like, I grew up at a time where it's like, my mom hated video games. She didn't want us inside watching TV. You know, it was like, go outside and play, you know, and don't come back till dinner time. And it's like, I, I was very blessed. You know, we, you know, Johnson County is a very wealthy county. Um, and, but we grew up very middle class. And, you know, I mean, what I mean by that is, um, you know, we, there was one shower in the house with five of us, you know, so whoever got the last shower, you're getting a cold shower. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and it, so I always, I had more than I wanted and, you know, I never, you know, never really knew for, you know, need, right. I was yeah. very blessed in that manner. Um, but also I had two working parents who worked very hard to provide a, a Catholic education for me and my brothers. And they made a lot of sacrifices to do that. You know, they could have been, taking trips, you know, and family vacations and stuff like that. But they, you know, they, they thought growing up with a faith-based education was very important. Um, it's something that I really, uh, getting older and looking at, I, it's, it's something that I really value and appreciate the sacrifices that they made for us, uh, and, and kind of how it's contributed to who I am, you know, um, so I grew up Catholic, you know, went through Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, played soccer at St. Thomas Aquinas, um, which is uh, it's a soccer factory basically here in Kansas City. Um, I won three, you know, I was I, was, I made varsity as a freshman. Um, I was a, a, I was a pretty big kid, you know, a freshman, you know, 15, 14, 15 years old. I was about six, one, six, two, about 170 pounds. Wow. Um and so, you know, I, I made varsity as a freshman lettered. We were uh, three-time state champions in the four years that I played soccer. Uh, my freshman year in 1994, we were ranked uh, number one in the United States by USA Today. Wow. Uh, we went 21-0. and 0. Very cool. Um, and so, you know, so I set goals early. You know, I, I like getting a Division One scholarship was, uh, was a goal that I set for myself pretty early. My older brother, uh, he went to a, a local JUCO and then played uh, at two years at a, a local school here at private Avila College. It's, you know, he went to Johnson County Community College, Avila College. And you know, I grew up just, you know, really, my brother was uh, kind of my, like, I just kind of, I'm sure I annoyed him greatly, but I just followed him around, you know, he, he was a goalkeeper. So I naturally became a goalkeeper. And it's funny because my younger brother, uh, he, he was a forward, you know? And so, cause it's like, I, we were two years apart. So it's like, he's always trying to score on me. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's like that dynamic was pretty funny. And, and being able to play two years of high school with my younger brother was a super, super cool experience. Um, so, you know, sports were a big part of my life. Um, I ran track my freshman year. I didn't want to at all, but, um, my mom made me do it. She said, you're going to at least run track for one year. Um, and if you don't like it, then you don't have to. Um, but it was kind of one of the reasons that I went to that high school because, uh, the other schools I was looking at, cause I played club soccer growing up. The other track coaches said, no, nah, if he's playing club soccer, he's not going to run track here. Mm -hmm. And the track coach at, at Aquinas was like, Hey man, if he comes out three days a week and runs great, sure. you know, it turns out, you know, um, my freshman year, I, um, I was the first freshman at my high school to break the five minute mile. Oh, wow. And I, and I did that, uh, I think, five different times I broke the four-minute mile. And I, I qualified for state in three different events, the two-mile, the mile, and the half-mile. But I didn't end up going to state because, um, 
you know, uh, there were, I, I qualified ahead of some seniors at my, at my school. And I went to the track coach and said, Hey, this isn't fair. You know, I I'm, I'm only at practice half the time. Yeah. Um, these guys have been running for four years. You know, I think they, you know, they should go instead of me. Um, and it, it sounds really altruistic and like a really, really like, Oh, what a good guy. But I think the truth to that is like, there was a really cool freshman party going on that weekend <laughs> and I didn't want to miss it. Right. I, I, you know, I think that was, that's the truth. Like, you know, I think there's, there's a big party going on and I didn't want, I didn't want to be running track. Um, so, you know, that like, so sports, all it, it, that was always a part of, of just growing up and, 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 you know, it kind of, it, you know, and we didn't, we played club soccer, but we played whatever season it was, you know, like basketball in the wintertime, baseball all summer long, you know, soccer in the spring and fall. So I know nowadays it's just, it's a whole different, yeah. it's a whole different ball. Like you have to, you have to specialize in this sport and that's all you're going to do. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, the best thing for me as an athlete was doing all the different things because I think they, they, I think doing a little bit of everything until you get to a certain age um, is is great because I think they translate, you know, Absolutely. hand-eye coordination of baseball and, and you know, the, the spacing of basketball kind of translates to soccer. And, you know, the discipline of running and learning how to how to actually run properly helps you in all those. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's, you know, that was kind of my youth, you know, experience. And then, you know, like I said, I. I I was never, I was never a very good student. And, um, you know, uh, if ADD was the thing, I was diagnosed with it three different times. I am so thankful. Uh, and, and I mean this, like, I, I'm so thankful. I, I was, I literally was diagnosed three different times in my life with ADD. And I, I think it, like at 10 years old and then again at like 14 and then in college, I, you know, I, I was diagnosed again. Um, and uh my mom god bless her like she was like you're not going to give him medicine he's going to learn hmm. you know and now it's I, I don't take any <clears throat> any any drugs for it now but it's like a superpower mm-hmm. right i've been able to learn how to manage it yeah and now it's you know it, it is an absolute superpower <laughs> and i and i i don't say that lightly i i i think look i think and I don't want to get off on a tangent. You asked me a question. No, about, hey. uh, but, but like, I think it's, it's, it's it, in the, in the society that we live in today, we're all looking for an, a solution that's easy. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's so easy to, to just, I mean, it's a business. Yeah. I mean, it's undeniable. Yeah. It's a business. And I think it's, you know, I think there are situations that absolutely call for, for medicine hundred percent, but I don't think it's even remotely close to the percentage that it's being used as. And um, so, I, you know, I really, I really appreciate that, you know, cause I was, I was always in the lowest reading group. I always went to the learning center, but the reality, when I look back at it now, the reality is I just didn't want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, so it's like whatever I focused on, I was fairly successful at, you know? And so it's like, I wanted to be playing sports. I wanted to be doing activities, you know? And so it's like, I never really took um, my education very serious because it just didn't, I, I wasn't interested, but until I got to high school and I really like, I, I was like, I want to get a D one scholarship. And my mom's like, 
well, you better work on your grades, <laughs> yeah. you know, because my freshman year in high school is like I didn't I, I was not interested. You know, I, I barely I, you know, I I was in study hall. I was I was barely getting by, you know, and it's like there's a funny story. Uh, <laughs> and the guys I still keep in touch with a lot of guys I played high school soccer with. But like our school, I went to St. Thomas Aquinas is all Catholic school uh, and they'd send home like you know, I, I, they're like progress reports. Yep. And, and if you had two D's, you, you weren't, you had to be in study hall. You were going to miss part of your practice. Well, there, the progress report got sent home to my house and I had a D like in biology and then in algebra. Uh, and, and it got to my house, my mom got home and she drove up to my high school. And, you know, cause I'm, I'm, four, I'm 14 years old playing varsity soccer with, with young men, with mm-hmm. like 17, yeah. 18 year old guys. Like these are guys are, they're young men. Like they're in, they're defending state champions. Like, you know, and I'm, I'm, whole, I'm, I'm this, I'm, that's my team. And uh, my mom in the middle of our practice, we're like playing eight V eight. She, she walks, parks her car just right next to the practice field, gets out and tells my coach, like, what's he doing on the field? Like grabs me off the field. Like, you shouldn't be on this field. You have two D's. <laughs> and, and the thing was that like, I talked to my biology teacher and I'd gotten, I'd gotten some things turned in. So it wasn't a D, but you know, it was mail. There was no emails sure. and stuff yeah. like that. You know, this is 1994. And so it's, I was like, mom, like, I, I don't have a D in biology anymore. <laughs> like I, I'm supposed to be I, like, I'm, you know, and she, you know, she's like, Oh, like, you better get the other D up. I'll see you at home. And like, like I'm walking on this field and, and like my team's looking at me like, dude, I would not mess with your mom. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. You know, but so it's like these things that like, you know, I, I was very blessed to have parents that that really um they instilled principles in, in me that I still like that I use today. Um, you know, and I it, it's you know, it, it's an interesting situation because I lived a very unprincipled life for a very long time. Um, but the reality is that I could, I had principles instilled in me that I, now I can draw back on, even though my parents aren't here to see me use them today, they put them there. They taught me, they raised me to be a good man. They, and, and, and even though they didn't get to see me practice those principles, you know, cause I lost my mom at 27 and my yeah. dad at 31 and, and like, you know, that, that was still, they still, you know, they still inserted how to just how to be a good person right how to treat other people you know and so um you know i that so that that you know going back to my grades like so then i like well i want a d1 scholarship so i started you know caring about my grades and you know i i ended up making like the 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 principal's honor roll my my junior and senior year and really you know uh really you know trying because like because i cared Sure. Right. And like it, I was, it, it was never, a, I was never a stupid kid. I just, I just was not interested. Yeah. You know, and we see and that. It's like, we see that all yeah. the time with kids. And so yeah. it's like, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, that's kind of like, and, but I got to college and I wasn't interested in anything except playing soccer. And, my, and it, it, it infuriated my college coach, like, you know, because it's like soccer season. Like, no, I would, I would, I would, cause I, I, I'm very fortunate. I had a full ride to Western Illinois university yeah. and, you know, I, I played there for four years and started for two and a half years there. And, um, 
but it was a battle with my coach. Like, because during season, it's like, like I was not like, you'd find me in the weight room. You'd find me on practice. No one was going to outwork me on the field, you know? Uh, and like with my running ability, my coach loved it because I was the goalkeeper. Right. And the goalkeeper is supposed to be not fit and fat. And the guy who stands in front of the goal, you know, the unfit one. But I was like one of the top two fittest person people on the, on the team. And so he would be like, how are you letting the keeper beat you guys? What's wrong? You know, so, you know, so, you know, but I also, um, you know, we'll get into my, my weight journey. Yeah. Like it, it I like to eat. Right. <laughs> hey, I like to eat. We, we, yeah. So do we. So. Um, and like, so in like, I've been over 350 pounds three different times. Yeah. And that's, can we get into right. that? Right. Are you okay if we jump into that real quick? Cause I want to yeah, ask, listen. I want to ask you about, um, you have made drastic and positive changes in your overall health, but you've done that. Like you said, a few different times. I mean, hearing your story of, uh, you know, growing up, you, you were active, you were, you know, playing sports mom your mom didn't want you in playing you know video games and all that stuff so you were a very active kid and went on to play college successful all that stuff what tell us a little bit about that story where because i've seen pictures of you <laughs> at your highest weights and i've seen yeah. those changes but tell us a little bit about how you've made those changes what were some of the habits and what what does that what could you give advice to people who are maybe uh struggling with that Oh, um, so let, let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, I got out of college and I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want to see a weight room. I didn't want to see running shoes. I would like, it was four years of, of, I mean, four and a half years of, of working out a lot. I mean, we, our coach, our coach was, he, he, he was a, a doctor of phys ed, you know, Dr. Eric Johnson, he's still coaching there. And I was, I was, I was, his first recruiting class in okay. 1998. Uh, and he's still coaching there. And it's awesome to keep in touch with him. And I went back and played an alumni game about five or six years ago. Right, cool. Um, but he, he was like, you know, we may not be the most talented team in this league, but there will not be a team that outworks us. So, you know, this was, you know, there was no time. If there were, we didn't know about them. There were no time <laughs> restrictions on our, pre I mean, there probably was, but you know, it, small D one school in Western Illinois in the summit league. It was the mid continent conference at the time. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we worked on our fitness and there weren't very many teams that were going to outwork us. You know, if we got beat, we were going to be beat by a better team. Um, and, and so when I got done with college, you know, um, and part of my story is like, you know, I was 14 years old playing soccer on a varsity soccer team with, with guys who were 17 and 18. And, and I was introduced to alcohol early. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the reality. Yeah. I was introduced to alcohol and drugs at an early age. Um, and I don't want anybody to get the wrong message about my high school, but I don't think that's different from very many other high schools oh, anywhere yeah, else. Not at, all. Um, not at all. And so I was, you know, I was, I was kind of like the team's mascot, you know, like this little, this little freshman who, you know, can hang with us. He, you know, let's, let's, let's get them lit up a little, yeah. you know, you know, let's make, let's make him do stuff. You know, he's a funny guy, you know? And so, um, you know, I, I, I started drinking and I enjoyed it and, and, you know, full disclosure, you know, I think most people that know me and it's not something I hide behind. And if you guys watch any of my podcasts mm -hmm. or read anything, like I, I am a recovered alcoholic. Yep. 
I'm, I am, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm recovered. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, uh, I'm eight and a half years sober and, uh, and, and so, you know, congratulations, by the way, that is, thanks. And, and, fantastic, and bro. I appreciate you saying that. And, and I'm going to be straight up honest. Like, it's not me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't keep myself sober. I don't have that power. Like it's, it's a higher power that I call God and I only call it God because I haven't found a shorter word for it. <laughs> right. And, and so, you know, and so, you know, partying, partying crept into my life early and I, I had a great time. I had a great time. I had a lot of fun. Um, you know, I'm not here to say like I was, I didn't start out as a blackout drinker. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I had fun. People had fun around me. Um, but I drink hard and mm-hmm. there's, um, there's alcoholism that runs in my family. My uncle died at 40, you know, he was a veteran of the Vietnam war, died at 43, a cirrhosis of the liver. My grandfather had a drinking issue. My father had a drinking issue. And so, um, you know, I look at, you know, today I look at how I was raised and then like the attention that I got. Right. And I think my mom looked at the three boys. Right. Mm-hmm. And she saw the history of my father's family. And she said, one of these three boys is going to end up with that mm-hmm. gene. Right. And then it was, I think at an early age with, I had an awful temper. If I didn't get my way, you know, I had these just, um, these predispositions that, that neither one of my brothers really had, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I got a little extra attention from her because I think she just so badly didn't want me. And she, the great thing about my mom is that like she saw me drink and I drank hard. And I would say even in my early drinking, I drank alcoholically, but I wasn't an alcoholic. Right. And, and it like, it's such a, it's a disease that it's not understood very well because it, if you don't have it, you really don't need to understand it that well, but it is a family disease that touches everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so, you know, with, with that knowledge, it's like, um, she, she saw how I drank and she never called me an alcoholic, but she said, if you continue drinking like that, you're going to become an alcoholic, but she would never straight up say, Jake, you're an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You can't drink. She would just say, hey, if you keep doing that and drinking like that, you know, because I mean, I, the reality is like I, I had a lot of fun. I partied hard even in mm-hmm. high school. You know, I got in, I got in trouble. I got, you know, legally I got in trouble. You know, I, you know, um, I, I, when I drank, I'm, I was not the smartest kid to begin with. But, you know, I made some very poor decisions and it got me in trouble. And and so with that knowledge, it's like, you know, you know, my mom saw that and. and and she tried so hard to, you know, lead me away from that path, knowing that, like, you know, if he's going to end up like that, he's going to end up like that. And there's nothing I can really do about it. Um, you know, so like that, that kind of was always like a tugging issue with me. And so when I got out of college, um, I really had no interest in working out, you know, and, and it was like. I could just do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, um, and so my drinking started getting a little heavier in my early twenties and I drank hard in college, you know, I partied. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but you know, my, my, my kind of thing and everybody who played with me and was around me knew like I played hard and I partied hard. And it's like, there was like, there's, there was really, um, and I'm, I'm no different really today because there's, uh, you know, it's something I, I constantly have to, 
uh, be aware of. And I write about this in my book. You know, I, I look back at these conversations I had and me and my mom were, were very much alike. And my dad was a kind of a quiet, reserved guy. And, and like he didn't have to he never pulled out the hammer until until he had to or or, or there was some kind of disrespect towards my mother. Mm-hmm. He kind of just sat back mm-hmm. and just let my mom, you know, and, you know, is like the biggest start was like, don't make me call your father. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> I've heard my that dad one. be at work. <laughs> it's like, no, please don't do that. Right. You know? And so it's like, my dad would sit there and watch me and my mom argue. And it's like that scene in breakfast club, you know, with, with Bender. And he's like, you're suspended for a week. <laughs> so what? That's two weeks. So three, you want a month? Yeah. You know? And so like my dad would Good sit question. there cause he's not a, He's not a real confrontational guy. He would sit there and just watch me and he'd be like, what's wrong with you? Like you were grounded for a week. Now you're grounded for five weeks. Like just because you couldn't keep your mouth shut, you know? And then he, he said something to me and it's kind of like my, my hashtag now. He's like, you just keep going, you know? And so now it's like, I have that knowing. It's like, I have to be really aware of where, my compass is pointed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I just keep going. Right. But don't you and think that can Jake, be good? Don't you think that, can, that can, be can be a superpower too? Absolutely. Yeah. If it's pointed in the right direction. Right. right. If it's pointed towards a 75 ounce steak, that's that's a bad, <laughs> you know? It's a, if it's pointed to a 42 mile race, that's good. Which I <laughs> am like, gonna get into a conversation with yeah. because I know Jenny told me you were doing that for your birthday. So yeah, I do eventually yeah, no, I know that, that you're training for one yourself. Yeah. So I, I'd love to get into that. But to go back to to the to the weight thing, it's like uh, it, I've had so I have knee problems. I had don't have knee problems anymore. They're, my knees are great. Um, you know, words are powerful. So if I say mm-hmm. I have something, I have yeah. something and I don't have a knee problem anymore. I've had four knee surgeries. Oh, wow. Though. Um, so um, so I had two of them when I was playing. And then I had two of them post post college uh, in the first one. And that like that kind of catapulted me in the wrong direction in terms of weight, because it was, you know, when I was playing soccer, the first two knee surgeries, like had to rehab hard. Sure. Right. Because I'm a D1. I got to get back, you know, and both times I would say with with the great physical therapy staff I had at my college and the awesome orthopedic that I, that I had, he's done all four of my knee surgeries. Uh, he, he was actually the Kansas city chiefs orthopedic, um, Dr. Chris Barnhouse, phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Like I, my knees, he saved my knees. Like he saved the meniscus in my knees because of a procedure that, that not very many doctors were doing in the country at the time, but he, he basically sewed my meniscus back together, which most doctors just go and they remove it. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, and that's, you know, that's why guys can go get their meniscus worked on. And three weeks later, they're back on the field. Mine was way more intensive and it was like three months off it on crutches. But anyways, you know, so two of my surgeries were during the season, you know, playing college soccer and then two of them were after. And so I tore my ACL playing. <laughs> There's a video of this too. And it was, uh, playing in a charity basketball game for my radio station. It was on a local, uh, local cable network. They broadcast it live. And I, you know, I tore my ACL with nobody around. I grab a rebound and pivot and just, and I was, I was probably, you know, I, I played soccer, you know, close to the weight that I'm at now, which was about, you know, I start the season at about 205. And by the time I got to the end of the season, I was about 195, 190, just, you know, that's just, 
it was hard to keep on weight with as much stuff that we were doing. And, 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 uh, but the, you know, I got out of college, got moved back and moved to Kansas city, got into the radio industry. And then, uh, I was probably, I, I remember the day I went in, it was, it was January, February of 08. So I tore my ACL in December, uh, um, 07. And, and so I remember, uh, the morning I went in for my surgery, they weighed me and I was 244. So I was about, I was about 40 pounds over my playing weight, but you know, I, I, I carry my weight really well. Um, you know, it, it's because I got all the way up, uh, to 374 <laughs> and, and I, I know that I, cause I went on a, a bender for about a week after that, that I'd never stepped on the scale at during that period of time, but I know I weighed more than 374. Wow. Um, but 374 is the highest I saw on a scale. And that was in 2013. Wow. And we'll come back to that. So my knee surgery didn't rehab it. And, and, and then I put on about 20 or 30 pounds. So then I'm at about 260, 270. And, you know, and, you know, my mom was still around during that and she was very concerned about my weight and, um, you know, and just, it, it was, it was somewhat heartbreaking, you know, to see this, this, her son who, you know, she, like, she loved watching me run. That's why she wanted me to run track because I mean, I, I could, I, I have a huge VO2 max and I could just run, you know, and especially, you know, as a 15 year old kid running track, like it, it was like, she really enjoyed watching me run. So, and playing soccer too, but just to see this athlete and then just seeing what, like the potential that I had within me. And then just being wasted away and, and, you know, eating and drinking myself into just horrible health. Um, so had that knee surgery. And then I had another one that I hurt playing in a, uh, in a, you know, I was playing with a bunch of guys that I played high school with and they have, they have these annual games called the sunflower state games. And, and, you know, we had a bunch of dudes from, that played high school that actually went off to play college and we all came back and, we, we would just play the open men's league and win that. And I was playing that like the semifinals of it. And I trashed my knee again, doing that, you know, after, you know, cause we were, we were in our early twenties. So we were out partying the night before and I was in no, I shouldn't, I had no business being on a soccer field the next day. <laughs> um, and so after that surgery, that's when I really, you know, really started going over the 300 mark and, and, and that's, uh, and, and so that was like, that was right around 2009. Uh, and then from 2009 to 2013, it was just kind of a seesaw for me. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I lost my mom in 07 and my drinking was getting pretty heavy right before that. She, I, she passed away on New Year's Eve of 2007. And then uh, my father passed away July 3rd of 2011. And so from that, that whole period of time, you know, then my father was diagnosed with a can uh, cancer about a year after my mom passed. And it's like, you know, that's, that's really when my drinking went from like drinking for fun. And that's when I became like, so what's not understood about alcoholism is that like, I don't have a drinking problem, right? I have a living problem. Right? I can't live without alcohol because what has happened to me is that alcohol has become my solution. Mm. Right. And that's like a line of delineation that, that you can't go back from. Right. For me, in my experience. And so 
you know, my whole weight journey ba- bouncing back and forth, you know, um, you know, cause I lost a hundred pounds before I even got sober. Hmm. Right. And, and so <laughs> I, I've, I have, I have, you know, several, you hear people hitting rock bottom, right? I have hmm. several different rock bottoms. Uh, like I have my drinking rock bottom, like my last drink, but I have like my eating and health rock bottom. Right. And that happened. I'd mentioned it. That happened in, uh, the summer of 2013, uh, you know, doing a, a basically, um, a, a radio stunt <laughs> advertise, you know, uh, there's a local steakhouse here in Kansas city. Cause you know, Kansas city is known for oh, great yeah. barbecue, awesome steaks. I mean, it, it, phenomenal. Um, they had a, it's, it's called their 75 ounce challenge. It's a place called Jess and Jim's and it's a, it's a 75 ounce sirloin. It is a great cut of beef, but it's 75 ounce sirloin. And so the challenge is you have to eat the, the 75 ounces steak and there's no fat or bone on it. Yeah. It's like you eat the steak and it's like, but also you have to have a 16 ounce twice baked potato, <laughs> a dinner salad, Eight pickled beets and a, a piece of Texas toast. Oh my geez. And and I did that in about fifty-six minutes. Oh my, oh gosh. my god. You can't it reminds me of remember the great outdoors yeah. with John Candy? Yeah. That's what I the was old ninety sixer. Yeah, the ninety yeah. sixer, yeah. You I think you outdid that. <laughs> no, I mean my pro, I mean, yeah, there's only fat and gristle left on that plate. Um but yeah, so I mean like I, I did that and then um Two days later, I stepped on a scale and I was 374. And and honestly, it's the moment, you know, like I said, I'll say this probably several times, but I write about this in the book. And it, it was, I was 33 years old. I step on the scale in my bathroom and I see 374 and I take a step off it and I look over in the mirror and it hits me. It's like, dude, you ain't seeing 40. You are not, and I'm, 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 I'm in my boxer shorts, right? And I'm looking over at myself in the mirror and it, it dropped me to my knees. Hmm. It literally dropped me to my knees in full tears. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to make it to 40. Right. Hmm. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror. It's like, dude, you were, you were a division one athlete. You know, you, you were, you know, you were, that was a pride of, of what you carried around. Um, and so, you know, that was kind of, um, that was my bottom of my weight, you know, but like it gets like this journey, it still goes today. Right. You know? And, and, and so that was 2013 and my brother was not living in Kansas city at the time. And he lives out in San Clemente, California. And, you know, he, all his friends, you know, we grew up, we went to high school together, you know, we have the same friends, you know? And so like he gets to hear about my escapades through his friends <laughs> listening to me on the radio, sure. you know? And, and so like he hears about, you know, there was video of it, pictures of it, me eating this 75 ounce steak. And he, and he was like, I mean, it, it, it broke his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, this was a, you know, I was his older brother that was this, you know, all state three time, you know, all metro area soccer player, you know, all league three times. And it's like, and now this is like, you know, you're 33 and this is, you know, this is what you are, you know, and even in college, you know, our colleges played against each other. You know, he went to Marquette University on a scholarship okay. and it's like, 
you know, and, and you know, he knew, you know, he saw me play in college and, and knew it's just like, and so he created this thing and I put this in, in the book and it, it was called the betterment of brothers. Hmm. And he, he, he put this together and, and he said, Hey dude, I just won the lottery for a practice round at the masters. And I'll give you one of those tickets and I'll pay for your air flight. If you sign this betterment of brothers and you lose 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. I'm in, you know, the masters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Augusta. Let's do this. <laughs> and so that kind of sparked, you know, um, but you know, this was, this was August. You know, I, I ate that steak the end of June, right. Have that breakdown the beginning of July. The, the funny thing is that like, I have that breakdown and then, you know, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to do something about this in about 10 days. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, in about 10 days. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to take the next 10 days. Cause I, I had, I'd taken, you know, I'd taken a, a week plus off of work scheduled around the 4th of July. Yeah. Right. And it's cause back then, you know, this was, you know, 2013 this is two years after I lost my dad, like July 3rd is like my solution. Like I said, was to drink. And it's like, I didn't want to be, you know, I call them angel versaries now. Like July 3rd is my dad's angel versary, okay. you know, this day he passed. And so my solution was emotionally to deal with that was to not be coherent. Yeah. Right. So I saw this, like, I'm going to be off week of work for a full week. July 4th is coming around the corner. Like I'll do something after that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's like, that's why I was like, I didn't step on a scale after that week long bender. I should have, because it'd be a better, you know, I'd have a better number because yeah. I bet, I bet I was 390 probably, but regardless, it is what it is. Um, but so, um, tips, you know, my, how I started losing weight, right. Is the first thing I did. The first thing I did is if it had a drive through window at it, I stopped eating there. Yep. That was the very first thing that I did in my, in my weight loss drive through window. You're not allowed to eat there. Um, and then I had two dogs at the time, two Rhodesian Ridgebacks, and they were puppies. And it's like, I worked on the morning show, so I'd get off work and I just wanted to take a nap. You know, I worked early hours and these two puppies were like, we're not having it. Like, and so those dogs, I write about them too in my book. Like they saved my life too, because like I had, like I had to go walk them three or four miles and then, you know, then they would be great dogs. You know, the, a well-behaved dog is usually a tired yep. dog, you know, yep. a tired dog is a well-behaved dog. So, you know, I just started walking, you know, I started walking, I started just walking three days a week and just walking the dogs, not eating at fast food. And I just started, you know, that was, I mean, that's all it really took to start losing the weight. Um, and then, you know, and it, it's horrible, but like I started just drinking vodka and water, yeah. <laughs> like no more beers, <laughs> you know, is the low calorie drinking. Um, and, and I, you know, it is what it is yeah. today, you know, that's, yeah. but that's, that's how I, that's how I started losing weight, drinking soda water and vodka and not eating at fast food windows. And then it slowly progressed, you know, into, you know, uh, by, by a year's time I, I had, uh, I'd lost a hundred pounds, but wow. you know, but that still means I was still at 274, right. still, still did 75 you get to go to Augusta? pounds. I did. Yeah, I did. And, and the funny thing is. 
funny or, or whatever it is, what happened is it was the Monday practice round of 2014. Okay. And we got, we walk into a guy like we, it was me, my brother and, and two of his buddies, two of his best friends and who are two good friends of mine today. Um, and, uh, we get this plan together. We, okay. What do we want to do? We want to hit the gift shop first and then take our stuff out of the car. And then who, who do we want to follow on the practice round? You know? And so we get into Augusta and we're at the practice range and, and we're trying to figure out what our plan is. And all of a sudden they fire off the sirens, like storms coming oh, and oh, clear yeah. out Augusta. And so, so we spent about 30 minutes in Augusta talking about our plan and we walked in and I saw the gift shop and the practice range and then the sirens went off. And so then we sat in the car for four hours and waited for the rain to go by and they ended up canceling that practice round, which was the first time in 11 years that they had canceled the practice round. The cool thing is, um, you know, they gave him complimentary tickets for 2015. Mm. Mm. So, um, and, and I got sober November 1st of 2014. And, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't really talk about the the fellowship that I'm a part of, but it's a, it's a 12 step program. Uh, so, uh, part of that program and part of working those 12 steps is cleaning up the wreckage of your past. And, uh, and so one of the coolest parts of that is uh, making amends to the people that you hurt, mm. you know, and I got to make an amends to my brother in, in Augusta National a year later. That's cool. Um, Very cool. Because my behavior in 2014 um, wasn't the best because yeah. we, we made a weekend out of it because sure. we went and played the, the, I, I, uh, the ocean course at Kiowa Island yeah. and we went and played Harbor Town in 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 north carolina um and so we had a golf trip weekend but i was i was still in my drinking yeah. and i was mm-hmm. not not you know i was i was taking full measure of it and uh and i you know say i'm curious it's a Jake, story we don't with we don't need to get into but yeah i was uh I, I, the, the um the savannah police woke me up on the sidewalk oh geez. Uh, one of the nights <laughs> oh, i'm, I'm so. curious with your background in athletics when you so you step on the scale 33 years old i think you said 274 or 374 you start thinking okay i'm gonna make some dietary changes some adjustments are you also diving right back into that muscle memory of exercise um no, because my knees were massive problems. Okay. Yeah. With that much weight on my knees, like I mean, when I was th- when I was three seventy five, I couldn't go up and down stairs without a handrail. Yeah. Like it, it, I mean, it was like it was brutal. I had some steep stairs in my house, and the, you know there were several te- times that my knees would literally give out. Yeah. And if I didn't have that handrail, it, I would have see you later. Taking a fall. Huh? Um. Yeah. So no, it, it, it like that process took some time. Um, you know, uh, because we'll fast forward a little bit and I get sober in 2014 in November and, uh, I'm about 90 or a hundred days sober. And, uh, and I go get a physical for the first time and shoot. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of jump around here, but I'll get to that answer kind of in a roundabout way. Uh, and, and my mom passed away in 07. I'm, I moved back home, 
um, before my mom passed, like in, when her, she was diagnosed with cancer again in 2003, which when I was 11 or 12, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. And, and she, I mean, she is my hero. She went through in, in, in 93 cancer, 92 and 93 cancer treatment looked different yeah. than it does today. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went through hard rounds of chemo and hard rounds of radiation, lost all her hair. And, you know, I, I've now, so I'm, you know, I know you guys like to get into mental health, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And so part of my mental health, just maintenance of my mental health is I go to a therapist regularly. Mm-hmm. Every three or four weeks, I see a therapist and that's just, that's just like my, my daily running. Mm -hmm. That's just part of my protocol. It's just, you know, it's what I do. And so unpacking that, and I've been doing that for, um, the last six years, like regularly, like I don't, I don't miss, I don't miss my sessions. It's part of my, it's part of my routine. It's part of my, you know, I call them non-negotiables. It's part of my non-negotiables, my, you know, and I, I'm very fortunate. I found a great therapist and she, you know, her and I are very close. And it's been awesome to, um, she's got to witness a lot of my journey. Um, you know, so, you know, in, in 2008, I'm living just my dad and I, and my mom had passed away and, you know, my dad kind of gave me one of those guilt trips, like, Hey, you never would do it for your mom and take care of your health, but I'm your only parent left. Will you at least Mm -hmm. go get a physical and see what's going on with yourself? you know, please for me, yeah. your only parent left. And it's like, God, all right, <laughs> fine. Um, and so in 2008, the summer of 2008, I go get a physical and I'm, I'm probably close to 300 pounds at this point in time. This is before my, my fourth knee surgery. That was in 2009. So I go get a physical and I'm drinking pretty hard at this time. And so get my blood work done. Doctor comes in and he's like, we need to have a talk. Like, how much are you drinking, son? You know, and I was like, you know, I didn't lie to him. I just said, you know, a couple a week, you know, and he probably thought I meant a couple drinks and I meant a couple bottles, um, <laughs> you know, because he's like, there's a real, there's a real illness that happens in your liver that's called non-alcoholic cirrhosis. Sure. And he's like, if you have that, we need to, we need to get on top of this right now. I know well what's going on, right? And so he's like, I'm ordering an MRI on your liver tomorrow. Like I'm, you're, you know, you're, we're getting you scheduled. We got to see what's going on in there. Cause your levels are not even close to being balanced. So I go, I get an MRI on my liver, you know, a couple of days later, go in, see the doctor and the radiologist. And they're like, uh, we got some bad news for you. Like you have pre-cirrhosis and developing spots on your liver. Hmm. And my doctor, my doctor's like, I'm, I'm giving you this card to a liver specialist and you need to call this guy before you leave this hospital. And like, so there's moments, there's moments cause I live with a, a deadly disease every day. I wake up with the same alcoholism that I, I, I had from the first day I got sober. I wake up with it today. And so there are moments in my time where my mind is sick, right? And I got to treat it every day. And so there there are times that, you know, and that's, it's called the insanity of alcoholism where I think, well, maybe I'm not really an alcoholic because I've been sober for eight and a half years. So maybe, mm. maybe I can drink safely, you know? So I have these moments that I can just like, let's pull this up. And this is one of these moments, right? So the doctor hands me a card and says, you need to call this liver specialist, right? 
before you leave this hospital and what, what did I do? Well, I'm walking out of the hospital and I see a trash can as I'm walking out of the hospital and I throw that card in the trash can, right? That is something that somebody with alcoholic tendencies would do. Sure. Right. A normal person, a normal person who drank normally, who didn't suffer from the illness of alcoholism would have called that liver specialist, right? Hey, you're suffering from this illness that's your drinking is most likely causing. You need to call this guy. And so like, those are the moments that I know, like that's not a normal action. Right. So, so like, you know, that happened in, 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 in 2008. So go back to where I started, you know, I'm a hundred days sober and, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to turn my life around. I'm trying to do the next right thing in my life and, and with some, you know, uh, urging from people around me, like, well, like if you're having this fear, cause I mean, I'm be honest, like I kept drinking hard from 2008 to 2014. Right. So hard. six years after that doctor told you that you had pre-cirrhosis of the liver. Right. Wow. Yep. And yeah. And so, you know, I'd lost a hundred pounds and, and so I, I had a lot of trepidation with going to the doctor mm-hmm. and I did it anyways, go get my blood work done, go get my physical done. And this is 2015, uh, January or February of 15. And, you know, the doctor comes in and he's like, um, Jake, I got your blood work back and I got some bad news for you. And I'm like, oh, great. Um, here it is. I'm like, it's my liver, isn't it? And he's like, no, your liver looks great enzyme levels are fantastic. You have type two diabetes. Huh. I'm like, oh, what, what a kick in the junk. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I've lost a hundred and plus pounds and now I'm type two diabetic. And, and so like, that's when like my health journey went to the next level. Yeah. Right. And so that doctor said something to me because my dad was a type two diabetic. My grandma was a type two diabetic and I saw them live and manage it. And man, I, no thanks. Yeah. Um, like, and he, you know, and so I begged the doctor, I'm like, Hey, I, I do not, I do not want to go on insulin. I do not want to be sticking myself with a needle in my stomach every day. And he's like, there's, you don't have a choice. And I don't know how familiar you guys are with, with like a one C and that type a little of, bit. Um, Enough to, yeah, enough so to understand a, it a little bit. My A1C was 14.3. Okay. Oof. Right. Your, your, your A1C should normally, if, if you're like a pre-diabetic is about six. Okay. A little, little under six. A, a normal, a normal A1C for a person walking around the street should be like between 4.8 and 5.8. Okay. 5.6, right around there. And I'm, I'm walking around with 14.3. And my blood sugars on a daily level were looking like six or seven hundred. Oh wow! And he's like, I, honestly, I don't know how you are functioning. He's like, uh, you should be asleep on the floor with these with these numbers. Like, <laughs> like you, you know, I don't know, what, but you're going to be leaving here with a metformin prescription and an Atlantis pen. Like, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm crushed. I'm like, I've lost a hundred plus pounds, and now I'm a type two diabetic. And he said something to me, and this was kind of, I'm, this doctor is awesome. And I'm very blessed to have him be the one who was taking care of me. Um, 
and he said something to me. He's like, we have a nutritionist here at our clinic. Um, if you really mean what you just told me, he said, I've read in some journals that people have uh, put themselves back into pre-diabetic levels and people have uh, reversed type two diabetes. And I, you know, and he said, I'll set you up with a nutritionist and, and, you know, and, you know, we'll see what we can do. Let's, let's, but right now the reality that you're living with is that your pancreas is dead. <laughs> it's not working and we have to put the paddles to it. And that's going to take, you know, insulin and metformin. And so, you know, that's why I, I mentioned earlier in, in the podcast about, you know, m- medications and prescriptions and they have a place, right? right? They do. Like I, I needed that yeah. to get, you know, to, you know, to get my pancreas working right. And so, you know, I, um, I go sit with a nutritionist and, you know, we kind of just start going through my food log. Right. And so I've lost a hundred plus pounds and she's like, well, what's your breakfast look like? And I was like, it's like a, you know, I eat a Greek yogurt and I have a cliff bar and a, you know, glass of orange juice. And she's like, whoa, like, no. I'm like, well, I thought that stuff's healthy. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've lost 115 pounds. Did you tell she, her about and the So steak? that's why I start. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's why I started learning. Like, because I lost, I lost 100, 100 plus pounds by going from eating four sausage McMuffins sure. and two breakfast burritos to eating a Cliff Bar and Greek yogurt. Sure. Right. Right. So naturally, that's, that's you know, yeah. going from bad, you know, to a little bit better. Yeah. But not healthy. And so that's why I really started learning about my health and, and about how my body works and what my body needed. And so, you know, um, so that's kind of how I learned about, you know, food and, and, and nutrition. Um, and so like today I intermittent fast. I have my eating windows like from noon, noon to 7 PM. Uh, I drink, I, so there's a great book. It's called the bone broth diet. Mm-hmm. And it's by uh, Dr. Kellyanne Petrucci, and and so I heard her on a podcast. Uh, 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 Sean Stevenson, are you guys familiar with Sean Stevenson? It's called uh, I think it's called Total Health. It's a, oh, okay. a it's an awesome podcast. Um, and he wrote a book called Sleep Smarter, and that's kind of how I got uh, started with Sean Stevenson. So I was listening to his podcast, and he had this woman on, and you know, it's just something. I was just putting something in my ear before I went to bed and, you know, just to kind of help sure. me wind down and, and, and get ready to go to sleep. And then it's like an hour and a half later, I found myself like, Whoa, because what she was talking about was bone broth. And, and because I was in the stage at this point in time, this was like 2000, you know, between 15 and 16, right. Where I'm, I'm starting to get back into running, but the reality is that my knees, like I can run, but then I'd have to take a day off and take some leave. And that's terrible for your kidneys. And, you know, my dad had renal cell carcinoma and that was his kidney problem. And so I, I start finding out about bone broth and the glucosamine and chondroitin and bone broth. And so she's talking about how it helps, you know, joint pain. And so I was like, Oh, you know, I'm going to go get this book. And so I go get the book and I read about it and that's how I got introduced to intermittent fasting. Okay. And so that, that's like, that was a, a whole journey in itself, learning about that and, and, and the bone broth. And so I start doing these things and, you know, um, it took me about 10 months 
uh, to get off the insulin. So, um, taking it you know, every day. I was exercise. I was, I was, I was shooting myself up twice a day, oh uh, with 10 units of insulin and I was on a thousand milligrams of metformin. Okay. And so, you know, doing that every day. And so I'm changing my diet, I'm exercising and my numbers are getting better. But uh, after about 10 months, I go back in, uh, we're doing about a checkup about every five months. And so, you know, five months in numbers are looking good, but you still need to be on this, you know, 10 months, I was able to get off the insulin and only be on the oral meds. And then, um, at about, I want to say at about, took me about 16 months and I went in for my checkup and, uh, the doctor comes in and he was almost in tears and he said, Jake, I'm, I'm taking you off all your meds today. And he, like, you know, took his glasses off. He's like, I'm gonna be honest with you. He said, every person that I give that diagnosis to tells me exactly what you told me. Yeah. Please doctor, don't put me on meds. I don't want to be on meds. And I tell them the exact same thing I told you. And I'm going to be honest. I've read about this in journals. I don't think I really believed it. He's like, cause I've never seen sure, it. Cause nobody's ever done what they said. Right. Yeah. And he said, I can now look my patients. You, what you've done is you've armed me. I can look my patients and say, if you're serious about this, I have a patient who's done yeah. it. So I can tell you what he did. And, you know, and so that, you know, that, that was kind of like taking my, my health journey to the next What did you end up losing? Of, so at that 16 month mark, um, how much, what were you down to at that point? I was probably back down to around 240. Okay. So that was, that was like July of 2016. Okay. So and it took me, so I, I mean, I've in, I've, I ended up like, I went back down to like 190. I'm not at 190 today, yeah. but, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm around probably 215 right now, maybe somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, be honest, I, I put a couple of pounds on after that 42 mile sure. race. <laughs> I, did a, I did a lot of justifying. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, hear I can that. eat this pizza. I just ran yeah. 42 miles. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that process, um, you know, it was, but it's also like understanding that, you know, it, it took, I'm a hard headed guy and it took like ultimate persuading. Yeah. Right. And, and it, it takes what it takes. Right. I mean, every, everybody has their own journey and I've heard you guys talk about it. Like, you know, and that's why I, I never say here, do this. Right. Yep. Right. Like the most valuable thing that I have is my experience. Yep. And, and that's what like the, the book isn't like the reality is that nobody is, and, and so many people, God bless them. I'm so fortunate to have people in my life that care about me and love me. So many people tried to help me yeah. and nobody could, yeah. nobody could. Right. And so I don't try to help anybody because that's, that's God didn't give me that power. Yeah. But what he did give me is the ability to let people know that they can help themselves. Right. I, you know, and, and I can say here, here's a blueprint, take this blueprint and lay it over you sure. and make it fit, fit you. Yeah. But here's just the nuts and bolts. 
you know, see what, what you can lay over your experience and what, what works, make it fit you. Yeah. Right. Because there's only this fingerprint. There's only one of them on this planet. Yeah. Right. So what works for me isn't going to work for you, Kevin, and it's not going to work for you, Jason, but what, what can work are similar things. Sure. Like, you know, similar it's philosophy, right? It's, it's take this philosophy and mold it into your own. I love that. that. And I would, can I just say something real quick? And I had a little, a little issue with my internet there. We just kept rolling. I know you did. (laughs) And nobody even knows. Nobody even knows. It was a little quiet on the audio there, but uh, I'm back. But what I would just say to that, Jake, and and one thing we've learned in this time too, and you've just said this, and we want to keep, you know, kind of getting this message out that everybody is on their own journey and the only way it's going to start is when you go inside yourself and you start dealing with, I'll call them demons. I'll call them whatever. You got to go inside and you got to start dealing with some of that stuff. And it's hard for people to do. It's really, you know, it's easy for us to say, oh, you, you know, you should go and uh, work out this way or go eat this way, or, you know, you go, go start meditating this way or go. It's easy for us to say it's hard for people to, to do that. And so what Kevin and I, we've been on this little quest here. And it's so interesting to hear you say it as well, too, is that it starts, it, you got to go within yourself to start figuring this out. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's the thing that the message I want to get out to everybody is you can't look, you can't look external. I mean, maybe, you know, certain things, but eventually you got to go in, you got to get in there and you got to start digging and start dealing with it. And Jake, I love as a, as a guy who says, I, you know, you said you go to a therapist. I too done that route. We have to start talking about it. We have to start saying it, you know, it's okay. And uh, be there for one another, be there to support one another. And, and, and I love what you're doing with that. Absolutely love it. I also love, uh, I've heard your message about um, the comment that you make and, and you say it with no disrespect but you're not in the business of caring what other people think about you. <laughs> like, and, and I, I, can't. I think that is so vital and I'm going to guess you've developed that. I mean, that probably wasn't always the case. Um, but I think that is such a strong message to, to, to say what, what somebody, you know, thinks about me with their opinion about me, that's theirs. That is none of my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and if you can, if you can get to that point, I think in your life, um, man, that's a powerful shift. But there, there's only one way that works, Kevin. There's only one way that works, right? And that's if I'm living a principled yeah. life, right? Right. If I'm in, if I'm in alignment and integrity with myself right. and my higher power, right. that's the only way it right. works, mm-hmm. right? I can't just be walking around doing whatever I want, whenever I want, treating people. However I want and just say, you know what, if you have a problem with it, that's your problem. You know, that doesn't work that way. I have to be in alignment and integrity with myself. And once that's, once that's established, right. Then it's not my, like, that's not my business. Right. right? Like if the people want to, people want to judge me, that's, that's great. That's, that's their business. Right. What they think of me is not my business because you're right. It ruled my life. Sure. Right. And we live in we live in a culture in a society today that it's it's we just have these social agreements. Right. That's what they are. Mm-hmm. The, the, we call them social networks, but they're really just social agreements. And, and this is what I mean by that. Right. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. 
it's an agreement, right? Here, you believe that this is really me, and I'll believe that that's really you. Agree? Deal? Yeah. Okay, deal, right? And so we we put all this BS because we want people to think this is who we really yeah, are, right. right? And if you agree that this is me, I'll agree that that's you. Yeah. Deal? Done, right? And there's no authenticity in that, yeah. right? That's not that's not authentic. Hey, could I? And, and it, go ahead, no, Jake. I was gonna say. I love that. And I want to, I want to talk about when you talk about, um, you, 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 when you talk about social media, you've talked about, you go on a cleanse or you go kind of dark with it, right. Or you, you just get to get away from it and you've done that. And I want to talk about that, but before I get to that, I want you to talk to the, the listeners. Cause I keep, I've been challenging Kevin to do these, uh, the cold therapy, the showers, the cold showers. <laughs> and I saw you going into your ice bath and what that With does. And axe. so, yeah. I, I, can you talk a little bit about <laughs> that, the ice bath in, in the, what, what have you learned about the benefits of it and, and, and how do you use it? And maybe how can we get Kevin to start uh, trying this out a little bit more? So I'm I'm a big Wim Hof guy. Oh, yeah. Are you guys familiar with Wim Hof? I'm, yes. I, I, so that's I, how I, I was introduced with with, with the, the cold therapy and um and the benefits I found are immeasurable, right? I mean, it's uh one, it's phenomenal for my running recovery. Yeah. Right. There so I, I before I ran that 42 mile race, I like because I wanted to do an ultra and I wanted to put that in my books. Well, I had I made I had to make an agreement with myself. Because I was like, whoa, slow down. You're not going to do that. Here's what you're going to do. And so <laughs> I, I made an agreement with myself and I, I set these parameters. And so it was like, you run every day for a calendar year, mm -hmm. then you're allowed to start training for an ultra. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I started on my sobriety date in 2019, November 1st. And I set these parameters. Parameters were... The minimum of every day had to be a 5K, so 3.1 miles. Mm -hmm. Every week, the minimum had to be 35 miles. Okay. And every every mile had to be under 10 minutes for it to count. Okay. So I, I was running every, so it was like every day from, and I got from November 1st to uh, Halloween of 2020. Uh, and it was a leap year, so it was 366 days. And I got to that day and I was like, wow, I did it, you know? And then I was like, well, how cool would it to be say that I ran every day during a pandemic? <laughs> so I was like, you know, people were like, oh, you're, you're going to take tomorrow off. I was like, nope, I'm going to run till New Year's Eve, yeah. you know? And it's like, I get to New Year's Eve and it's like, people are like, oh, you, you did it, you know, 420 some days, like. Are you going to stop? And I was like, mm, no. <laughs> and so, right. And so I got to 465 straight days and, uh, and then, and then God made me stop. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and so when, when I, I, in February of 2021, I, um, I was working on this book and I, and I, I, I went up to, uh, Buena Vista, Colorado, where, where I spent seven months last year at, uh, in a cabin about two acres of land, um, in a small town in, in Chafee County, which is about two and a half, two hours 
straight west of Colorado Springs. Okay. And um and I went up there and I and I I disconnected from everybody. No email, no, you know, and so for 30 days I was up on this mountain in February of 21. So I was there from January 30th of 21 to March 1st of 21. And I had no contact with the outside world. Hmm. And that's when I really, that's really when I carved this book out. That's when 90% of this book got done. But it was also a, a social experience. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm blessed that my work let me take a sabbatical. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I do completely understand today that human beings are, we are social creatures. Mm-hmm. And I understand why, uh, you know, solitary confinement and isolation is a punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I chose to do that. Um, be, there were many times, uh, there's only, there's only one time that, you know, and I, I'll get to that, that I actually went and had to go be around civilization. And that's, that's when, uh, uh, my last day of running, Right. I, I go for this run when I up on the mountain, I'm like, I'm going to do 10 K every day. This is part yeah. of this. It's just going to, yeah. you know, and, um, I'm about seven days in since so like February 7th or something it's, it's day four sixty five or whatever mm-hmm. it was of running straight. And I go, I run in the morning and I started running when it was dark. And then like I stop and I watch the sunrise over the mountains and it's just like, Oh, this is awesome. I finished like my last two miles and I get to the cabin and I step in the cabin and I start taking off my running gear. And it's all of a sudden it's like, wow, wow, man, my, my jaw really hurts. And I had a big beard. So I go look in the mirror and my face was swollen. Oh, geez. And I was like, oh no. And I'm in the middle of rural Colorado. So I had to, you know, get on the internet and look up a, a clinic and, you know, it's like a, a rural health clinic. You know, and so I, I, I went, you know, I was in the like waiting room as like me and a horse. Um, <laughs> and, and, but I, 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 I see a really great doctor and she's like, oh, you have an infected uh, saliva gland. Oh. We'll, you know, we'll get you some meds. And it, it's and she said something. She's like, oh, it's totally normal. Someone your age. I'm like, how old do you think I am? You know, she's like, oh, no, no. You know, uh, and, and, and so like I'm like, well. Should, should I not be exercising or doing anything on these meds? She's like, well, I would like, you'd probably need to be taking it easy on this. Like, you know, we're going to put you on a 10 day cycle of these meds just to, you know, it's bacterial. Just, I would, I would recommend you not, not exert yourself very strenuously, you know? And I was like, you know, and I write about this in the book again, I'll say that. Um, and, and, and so I get in back to my cabin and, you know, get my meds taken and and it starts feeling better pretty quick. But then I like, I was crushed. Like, I'm like, my running streak's going to end. Right. And, and it was like knowing my personality, what, what had happened is I became attached to that. It was, it was an unhealthy attachment, right? Because I sat down and I wrote a whole chapter about this, you know, it's called day 465. And it was like, dude, you started doing this so you could train for an ultra, <laughs> right? And so it's like, I'm literally sitting there knowing that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm not going to be able to run. 
and I'm I'm in tears, man. I'm, I'm first of all, I haven't seen another human since that I saw that doctor, but I was like eight days without human contact or like I'm talking about any contact, yeah. no texts, no emails. Yeah. Um, and so you know, I'm like sitting there and I'm upset, and then I and then I have that realization as like, no, that that means guess what? You did it. Yeah. Like you get to start training for that right. ultra now, buddy. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's your reward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also, it was, um, it, it, it opened the door into like anything I can, even if it's good for me, quote unquote, like I can attach myself sure. to it and, and, and I can make it, you know, more about like, it, I, I can make something that's external, a part of my identity because that's not who I am. That's not what I do. Now I will say, right. I, I, I suffer from severe depression. Um, you know, at, at, you know, at diagnosed suicidal depression and running is part of my, you know, it's part of my protocol. For sure. Right. Like, and you know, and that goes back to, to, to go full circle, like the ice tubs, like that's part of my protocol. Yeah. And it's like, that's like the ice tubs, the benefit for my running. It's a, I mean, the science is there. Yep. It's a direct, it's a direct dopamine hit, yep. right? So doing it first thing in the morning, I, I've come to find, and it, it stinks because it's, it's starting to get warm and it's springtime here in Kansas City and it's, that was free ice, yeah. right? I mean, because <laughs> I mean, I started, I started doing this and I was dropping, you know, a pretty penny on, oh, you know, yeah, luckily sure. Costco, Costco <laughs> has some cheap ice and I have a, I have a deep freeze. So I just load up. Yeah. Um, it, but you know, um, but like during the winter time, it's the I, I, I did it daily. Yeah. You know, I've I've backed off since I've had I have to buy ice, and I, I you know, realistically, I have a budget. Yeah. How long <laughs> in, in what, my what, life? What are you realistically? Some how long are you staying in there? So during the winter time, like uh, depending on the external temperatures, like my protocol was about six and a half minutes. <laughs> now Jeez. I. <laughs> yeah, oh I, uh, you know, I mean, I have pictures like, you know, it would be like minus three outside. It'd be warmer in the yeah. water than it yeah. was outside. Um, in those days, you know, minimum four minutes, oh, but between four and six during the summer times when it's warm outside, I can get the water down in the 30 still like yeah. 35, 36. And I've gotten up to 15 minutes in there at, at like 36 degree water. Wow. But I mean, it's different when, when, when it's, Eight and 80, 90 yeah. degrees outside, yeah. you know, and you're in a cold tub. It's like, I can stay, but when it's minus one wind chill, yeah. you know, and you're like, I mean, there's a level, like <laughs> I had to back it down a little bit um, because there's, you know, there was a, a, I don't call it a scare, but I had neuropathy in my fingers. Sure. So, oh, yeah. so now I, I keep my hands above the water. Yeah. Um, because I was going full submersion, like to my neck. Well, I saw the one under. you you went underneath. I mean, you you submerged. Yeah. Submer- oh yeah. yeah, right. And I've also so I don't know. Are you guys familiar with Doctor Andrew Huberman? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. We listen. So to him. like, it, yeah, fantastic. Yep. That dude's he's got a brilliant way of making simple people like me understand yes, very complicated yeah. things. He's very talented at doing that. So I highly recommend. That's one yeah. of my. My must watch is, you know, but he has, he has great information on the benefits of cold. Um, but you know, so now I, I go under first thing before, because I, I, that's supposed to be better for you. Okay. Um, then, cause I, for a long time I was going in, like I do my six and a half minutes. I dunk myself, stand there for 10 or 15 seconds and then 
get out. Now, like when I get in there, I dunk myself first thing okay. and then sit in there. Um, there's the, the there, I forgot what he said, but there's a benefit in into the regulation of, of what goes on, yeah. submerging your head first thing. But yeah, I mean, all right, um, I'm gonna up my game. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into this a little bit more. I well, like, don't just jump into like I didn't just start yeah. jumping into ice yeah. town, right? No, so like start out with 30 second cold yeah, showers. That's what I've been doing. Like just take yeah. your take your regular shower, yeah. 30 seconds, and then then bump it up to a minute, and then 90, yeah. and then and then you know like. I did a, uh, I had a get together and I did a, a, a breath work meditation, ice exposure, uh, last fall and had some people come out and do it. And, um, there's techniques. Yeah. I mean, the, it, there's like breathing. Sure. Are you guys fam- familiar with box bring breathing? Yes. We were just, we were just talking about that. So like when day, you're actually. in, in, in the water, I find for me, like box breathing is the best okay. when you're in the water. You know, and there's some Wim Hof breathing yep. that you can do before you get into the water. Yep. Um, and and th- let's do a disclosure, right? Like we don't want people just going and jumping in there for six and a half. Minutes. No, right. like, this, like, right. there, like there's <laughs> like, you know, I, like there's there's you can do harm to right. yourself by not doing it properly. Right. right. And you shouldn't be doing the Wim Hof breathing in the tub because you can you can pass right. out doing that type of breathing. And it, you know, people, you know, you could drown doing yeah. that. So I, you know, I, I do your homework yeah. and that's my message all the yeah. time, right? Do your homework. And it, you know, like it's, there's so much, you know, like social media is what you make of yeah. it, right? Because you, you go down the wrong path and it's not a good place to be, but it is a tool. Yep. It is an absolute tool that can be used in the proper way to your benefit yeah, yeah. and you know you you use the internet don't let the internet right, use you right and, and that's you know that's that's a guide yeah. so it's like if you're going into this and you're serious about it do your homework watch i mean watch some wim hof yeah. videos you know i'm anybody can reach out to me i'm i i happily yeah. will you know tell people my methods and share my but dude it's it's a game changer yeah like, i gotta you know, do it. I gotta do it. yeah this might be a good time you mentioned that 42 mile race why don't you just Spend a couple minutes. Tell me about that. What was that experience like? Um, how did it go? What'd you learn? So I, I, I know in an earlier podcast that you guys did, I think, because you're getting ready to do one. I'm yeah, doing I, a 50 miler. I'm doing a 50 miler in September. Um, I got into triathlons. Um, oh, I probably started in like 2016. Um, but then I, I took a few years off. I had a lot of surgeries for over a course, like a four year period. My, uh, I got a two level spine fusion. I've had both hips operated on a shoulder and elbow. Um, I've had some other things, hernias. And so I kind of wasn't so, so prolific in, in the, uh, keeping up with the triathlons, but then for the last four years, I've been pretty consistent and, um, completed a, a full distance Ironman last year. And, um, so I'm, awesome. I've got a 50 in, in, uh, September, but I've so done, when you were first talking about it. I've done, um, yeah, I've done one thirty. I did a 38 mile, uh, ultra, like a kind of like a backyard ultra. It was like a 5.2 mile loop and you had 12 hours loop. to run as much as you wanted. Um, so yeah. So like, I, I think Jason, you were like, Kevin, 
why in the world would you? <laughs> yeah, that you know, there's why, a little bit about you, that. Why? Like I, I've done a marathon and I'm, I'm cool with that. But there's, there is part of me now that I've, you know, I've been on a, a journey to. I've lost about eighty pounds and I, I, you know, doing different things and, um, but I do. I, I, I have been getting back into running a little bit more. Um, a lot of it was walking, uh, whatever, but, um, you know, every once in a while I'm on that, if I'm on the treadmill or I'm outside running, I'm like, maybe I should try to train for this 50 miler like Kevin and see if I can go do it too. <laughs> well, I mean, and so it's like, my answer to that is like, because I want to press my limits. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see what I can do because I know, right. That in I'm sure you guys are familiar with David Goggins. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked. That's my, like that guy, <laughs> he, that like, Jake, he is next level. He is. And Jake, he was the reason why ultimately, you know, when I started my health journey back in 2017 to really lose my weight, I, I was, I was 55 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, I'd never really listened to podcasts and I went to the gym, was running around the track. I'm going to try to listen to a podcast. I found this podcast out there called rich roll the very first episode yeah, i rich listened awesome. to was david goggins i'm like who is this guy oh my god yeah. this is insane but he was exactly what i needed to hear in that moment so yeah yeah and so goggins is like he always talks about you know like 40 percent right right like you're really like even when you think you're at 100 percent, yeah. you're really at 40 yeah. and it's like i like i know that what and it's it's I have proof. I have evidence. Like whatever I decide to do, I will do it. Yeah. I will do it. Now I may fail a bunch of times mm-hmm. leading up to it, but it's like, that's, that's like, that's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, why would you want to do 42 miles? It's like, because like when I was done with that, I felt like, because I'm going to, I'm going to do a 50 miler in October probably, okay. but it's like, like, What's next? It's like there's like there's nothing when I choose to align my heart, my mind, and my soul. Yeah. When I choose to align them, there's there's nothing that that I can't do. Yeah. Or you know, and it's like, why would I not want to tap into that unlimited power, right? Because that's what it is. Yeah. So it's like why like and and look, I get it, right? This isn't like there's only one Jake there, so it's like <laughs> I have to pre- like. Not everybody can do that, right. and that's okay. Right. Maybe maybe pressing your limits is is doing a ten k. Right, right. Maybe pressing your limits is doing a five k. Exactly. Right. Or just getting like Goggin said, or maybe it's just getting your ass off the couch. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Walking. But, but the thing is, like, I've been there. Yeah. Just getting my ass off the couch. But it's like you know, it's it's like I want to. I want to find out more. I'm a seeker, mm-hmm. right? And what I've come to find out is that. It, it's not in the finding it's in the seeking yeah. that's where you learn yep. right it's in the it's in the it's in the journey yeah right and and so it's like um so I, I was looking so like so how i ran that 42 mile race i was looking for you know an, an ultra to do and and so i was just kind of looking through different ultras and what's going to fit my schedule and what do i want so like so i told you it's so like that was 2021 where I hit four day 465 yeah. and then I had that okay now I get to start training. And so I started you know I started it took me a little bit of time you know I kept running kept in shape and so then uh last fall I'm looking for an ultra and 
I find this in Lawrence, Kansas is where the university of Kansas is. It's about 45 minutes mm -hmm. away from, from me in Overland park. And it's actually like, that's where my parents met. They both went to KU. Yeah. Um, they met at, at Oliver Hall, you know, that's, you yeah. know, so it's like Lawrence, Kansas is like famous. It's yeah. a, you know, we, we were, we didn't have a choice when we were growing up. We grew up Jayhawks. Yeah. So <laughs> rock, rock chalk, chalk Jayhawk. Jayhawk yeah. Right? That's right. You know, so my parents brainwashed us early. <laughs> right. And so, um, and so, uh, it was, I, it was, a I just looking for races and it was a race in Lawrence and it was a 42, 0.42 mile race and it was on uh march 11th okay and i just turned 43 on march 12th and so it was like this is my last day on planet earth at the age of 42 yeah and this race is 42.42 miles like that was God, the part i was gonna ask you me. about because that's such a weird um distance Right. So it's called the Pi Day race. So they had several different races. And so Pi Day being, you know, Pi, the, you know, the symbol for 3.14, right? So Pi Day is March 14th, right? 3.14. So Pi Day race is, so they have a 5K, a 10K, a marathon, a half marathon. The race I was running in is called the Pi Day race. So, you know, the symbol for Pi is 3.14. So they do it the closest weekend to, to March 14th, 3.14, uh, 3.14. So how it added up. So I ran three races. So okay. I ran a, a 5K and then I ran a marathon and then I ran a half marathon. And so they, when you add that up, it's, it's 42.42 because yep. – um, and it, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the novel – hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy uh i have not read it uh, but i'm there's aware a movie of it. too yep spoiler alert they they finally get to the end and they ask this supercomputer like what's the answer to life and the yeah and the, computer, the computer spits out 42 ah. like, oh, sweet and so they call gotta... this the answer the answer to everything you know that was so my high what... school football number 42 42 that's my hey, high school what? basketball number Hey, hey, Jake, um, <laughs> you know, talking numbers too, you know, one of the cool things is, uh, um, the number 11 for me, uh, has pops up all the time. Um, and so, you know, doing a little reading and research and then I jumped on, I don't know if it's on Twitter or if on Insta, you have the 1111 and I'm like, oh my gosh, I told Kevin right away. <laughs> and then the address here, the address here is, has got 11 in it too. So I'm like, okay what's going on here but tell me a little bit about the 1111 so my number is one okay like that was my like that was my that so i love one i that was a war number one in high school for soccer war number one in college so it's like number one it's just that's num that's my you know that's my number it's so it's like 1111 is my favorite number four times i love it <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So, so get, so get back to the race. You, you, so you do all three races and I'm, I'm guessing it's all the same day. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, okay. so how it was laid out. So they had a bunch of people. So there were 10 people that were doing the answer to everything, but they also had people who were just running the marathon, people who are just running a half marathon, sure. people are running a 5k, people running a 10k. And so the first race went off at seven thirty. So that was the 5k. 
and it took me a, like, tw- and so th- I heard you mentioning Kevin and your run, like is all trails and that your angles the, were the all 50 miler will be a hundred percent on what's called, uh, it's in Northern Minnesota. It's called the, uh, superior hiking trail. So yeah, it's a, it's a trail. Right. So didn't, was your 38 mile race on trail too? That was a single track mountain bike trail that yeah. 38 miles. And That's you're what like, my ankles up. were busted yes. up. <laughs> yep. So I, I, all my training was done on the roads and on treadmills. And so, okay. This was all, this was all paths on like biking, yeah. biking paths and, tr- and tr- is all trail running. Okay. Okay. So, the the 5k goes off it takes me about 28 minutes to run that and then so then the marathon started at 8:30 so i had like a little a little sure. like but the a break about 30 minute break uh so i ran the 5k took about 30 minute break ran the marathon and then how they did it is once you finish the marathon you you could take as long as you wanted and then you yeah. set off on your own individual uh, half marathon. Okay. And so, um, in, in my luck, it was you know, March in Kansas City, the weather could be beautiful or it could be <laughs> winterish. It's it's a crapshoot, yeah. flip of a coin. So it was raining and about uh, thirty seven degrees, Ugh. and. I hate being wet. I can take the cold all day long. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm yeah, fine yeah, with that. That's not but good. Like, yeah. Like soccer, I hated playing soccer when it was wet. I hated playing any like I hated being wet, but of course it's what it was. So um so luckily, like in between the marathon and my last half marathon, I gotta like change my socks and shoes out. Sure. So that was that was cool and that was good. But uh it was I mean it pressed like at that point in time. I was physically in shape and, it, and, but the trails were, that mean, like, I honestly, I thought I was going to be a lot more beat up than I was yeah. when I was done. Um, like a day later I ran four miles, like just to get yeah. the kinks out. Like I took the, my, took my birthday off. And then that Monday I, you know, I went up to the gym and did a sauna and ran my four miles, yeah. four and a half miles on a treadmill. Um, but I mean, it, it's pressing the limits of my, of my mental awareness. Mm-hmm. Like that's what'd you learn? Like, what'd you learn about yourself in that experience? Um, awesome question. Um, I, I, you know, I learned that, um, you know, I, I, I went, I went to a place that, you know, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty invincible. I mean, yeah. I, I, and what I mean, right. I don't mean physically. I mean, like, God blessed me with an unbelievable body, right? And so here's how I look at my journey, right? So for a really long time, uh, my mind was was driving this car, right? And my body was riding shotgun. And my soul was in the back seat sleeping. (laughs) And my mind was driving off the road, wrecking into trees, hitting bridge embankments. And my body's just in shotgun getting rattled. Like, you know, and in my mind is, I have a sick mind, but my, when my mind is in charge, it's bad news. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so when I mean I'm invincible, I'm talking about the soul. And, and what my body did was like, hey, mind, you're sick mind. Do your best. Give me your best shot. Yeah. Try to take me out. Because, I mean, the reality of my situation was is that, um, and man, I, I don't want to sound too callous, and um, and this is serious stuff, right? This is this is uh, uh, not. I don't take any of this lightly. Um, but the reality is that I really didn't want to be here on planet Earth anymore. Yeah, hmm. I didn't want to be. But the reality was that I was too big of a coward to to pull the trigger on my nine millimeter. Hmm. And so I ate myself and drank myself because that was the easiest, slowest way. You know, it's slow and painful, sure. but it, but it was subconsciously that's what I was doing. I didn't yeah. love myself. I didn't even want to be here. I had you know, the crazy thing is that I didn't really even know who I was. So right. how could I possibly love myself if I don't know who I am? Right. Yeah. And, and so that's just my mind. When my ego and my mind are in charge, right? I mentioned Ram Das. He has a, a, a beautiful saying. He, he said, the mind is a lousy master, but it is a wonderful servant. And so it's like my body said, give me your best shot because I'm housing this soul that has a job to do on this planet. And I'm not going to let you kill that soul too. So give me what you got. Yeah. And, and luckily my body withstood enough beat down for my soul to wake up in the backseat, wake up. What's going on? Hey dude, get this mind out of the driver's seat and you need to take over because he's killing me. Mm-hmm. And so my soul, my spirit grabbed my mind and threw my mind in the backseat, said, mind, I need you. You're important. You're a part of us, but you're going to be riding in the backseat. You're, <laughs> you're not in charge of anything that's important anymore, right? You're in charge of brushing your teeth. You're in charge of, you know, the, you know doing the manual tasks because it's great yeah. at doing, you know, but I'm in charge now, meaning my soul. Right. And my body's like, thank God. And so the way I look at it is that this body isn't mine. Right. God just put my body here. All right. For me to to live this experience. And now I have a daily amends. Right. To this body to treat it the best I can every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's not mine. It's just housing me. Right. You know, Pierre Deschardins, you know, he he was a Jesuit, uh, French Jesuit. And he has this saying that uh, it was is in a book called "You Own the Power" by Rosemary Alty, and 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 he said, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard this before, but he's the only person I can find to attribute this saying, and it's that I am not a human being having a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. What I am is I am a spiritual being having a human experience. Yep. Yep. Right. And so when I say to you, like, what'd you learn that I'm invincible is that I'm not really this body, mm-hmm. right? So it's like when, when the mind, the body and the soul are in alignment, like there's, it's unlimited. It's, we are sure. boundless. Oh, it's amazing, boundless. brother. It's amazing. So, I mean, that's kind of, I, I didn't, also, I, I just kept my, telling myself, you got two miles in you. Just keep going two miles. Yeah. Just, yeah. You, you, yeah. you can do, I know you can do two miles. Yeah. Just do two miles. And it's like, I just kept diving back in, in during my training. Um, I, during my training, 
I would I, I made sure I marked moments, right? And what I mean by that is like moments where I didn't want to do this, and I'm and, I, and I'm struggling just to get five miles in on a treadmill. Yeah, and, and I said I, I'm going to need this moment, like mark it, yeah. mark it, because I'm going to be on this trail running this race, and I'm going to go back to you. I'm going to David Goggins cookie jar. Yeah, exactly. It's like, (laughs) and so that's exactly what it is. So it's like, I did that during my training and, and it's like, and, and now it's like, now I can put that 42 mile race in my cookie jar. It's like, I like how I felt when I was done with that is like, man, there's nothing I can't do. Yeah. That's what I'm, you know, I'm, you know, people ask me like, you know, why are you doing this? And, and you know, what are you looking forward to? I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, it's going to sound weird, but I'm actually looking forward to the point of the race where I'm having to fight the demons of wanting to quit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the moment that I want to get to. You'll, you'll, you'll get there a couple times. Oh brother. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's, so it's a, it's a weird and, and you know, I don't know. I mean, everyone has their version of that, but I mean, that's for me, that is just, um, running has just become that. And, and, uh, so I just, I look forward to hearing more about, you know, races you do in the future and stuff. Yeah. And, we, uh, what we need to do is schedule one and get one and do oh one together. Absolutely. Be fat, be and there's a bike race. You probably know about the unbound in yeah. Kansas. Yeah. Um, that's it's on my big bucket one. list to do too. So for sure. Hey, I got a real quick here. I want to, um, Jacob, there's a couple, couple things that Kevin and I want to ask before we wrap this up here. But one is what you were talking about with your, your mind, your body, your soul, and, and how they have to be interconnected. And that's so much of what I read about and what I hear about and what I listen and I hear your story and how that's happened. And, and we talk a lot about, you know, getting out of your head and getting into your heart and, and really being within your body. Cause when within, with you, when you're within your body and you're, and you're paying attention to that and you're present, man, that, that, that your soul, your spirit, so much good can come out and, and listening to you today, I'm just telling you that it's just coming, the, the energy is coming out of you uh, and the lessons you've learned and, and where you're at today and how you still are continuing to grow and still aspiring to get better. I'm just telling you is, is super, super cool. And what I want to, what I want to ask you and then Kevin's going to wrap up with what I call our, our most, I think our, our, our coolest question, but what, what type of advice would you give somebody right now that's listening who may just dipping their toes in this whole health, wellness, uh, you know, mind, body, spirit stuff? Would it be a book? Would it be a podcast? What, what type of, what type of uh, resource would you, would you start somebody with? Hmm. Where would I start them? I think maybe I want to go back to something that you'd mentioned earlier and, and, um, and it was like, you have to do some self-evaluation like Goggin calls it the live autopsy. Mm-hmm. Well, the reality is right for people, like if you don't have a problem, then you don't need a solution. <laughs> right. And so it's, you know, in, in my 12 step work, I was very fortunate. And like, that's kind of was my jumping off. Like, like that's where I've truly got connected with the higher power. And that's where I did, like, I, I never took the time to do an honest inventory of me. Right. And, and, and so it's like, 
I had I had to look at all all this wreckage that that my illness of alcoholism created, and I had to say, look at it, you know. And, and we don't want to do that because it's ugly stuff, and it, it it creates negative emotions that we don't want to address, mm-hmm. right? And those powerful things. First, we're fearful of looking at that stuff, right? And it causes remorse and guilt and that awful, awful shame like that's so powerful like shame is such a negative mm-hmm. corrosive uh emotion right uh i would so where would i start are you guys familiar with david r hawkins i'm not the name i would uh so the first book of his that i read um it was early in my sobriety and it's a book called letting go um and he has um, basically, he created the map of consciousness. Are you guys familiar with the map of consciousness? Mm-mm, no. Um, it, it's it's really cool. It, it, and so I just finished. So I just finished his third book of a trilogy, and the first book in that trilogy is called Power Versus Force. And uh, and he, he talks about it's just really hard to explain the map of consciousness is, is basic, basically like where, where we were as a humanity, we were, we were under the level of 200 and that's where like, that's like negative. Like I'll I'll tell you the exact map of consciousness. Um, and he even wrote a book called the map of consciousness. Um, but it's these emotions that, that have a, a, basically you guys talk about vibration frequency mm-hmm. vibration frequency yep. so yep. like all these emotions have different different frequencies to them mm-hmm. and 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 he's they're actually he does muscle memory testing with them right and so like at the level of 200 is courage and like you can't that's where positive starts courage mm. right and like the lowest level is shame and guilt. And that has a, that has a, a level of like 30 or, and then it wow. go, goes up. Like, so pride, pride is still not a positive. Like we talk about pride being, you know, it's one of the seven deadly sins, but pride is better than, than shame and guilt. Sure. And so I, you know, where would I start the map of consciousness? Like it, it, there's, there's a level and then there's a frequency and then there's an emotional state that's attached to it, right? So when we're talking about the lowest level is shame, it has a frequency level of 20. And the associated emotional state with that is humiliation, right? Huh. And, it, and it, 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 it's fascinating work because what he's done is he's, he's done muscle testing with all this, right? And, and like what I mean by muscle testing, even like, so one of my heroes and, and how I got like acquainted with Dr. David R. Hawkins, um, a man named, uh, um, Dwight, uh, God, why is it? It's, um, I'm totally brain farting. Um, Dr. <laughs> Wayne Dyer, pardon yeah. me, yeah. Dr. Wayne Dyer. He talks about this. So it's like, what they would do is like, they, they'd have like an envelope, right? And like one envelope would have like vitamin C in it. And like they would test and like the muscle testing, you wouldn't move, but then they'd hold like saccharin, like artificial sugar. 
Yeah. And they test that and your arm, like the muscle testing would, would, it would make you weak. Hmm. It would weaken you just holding this, this. And so they have all this, these, these testings. So like it's, it's phenomenal work and it's, it's a fascinating study, but just understanding the levels of consciousness, the frequency Mm -hmm. that are associated with with this consciousness that we're, we're trying to, you guys talk about raising, raising your vibration, yep. right? Like that's, you know, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I get, I don't get irritated, but it, I, I kind of chuckle, right? <laughs> when, when I'm around somebody and they're like, I just want to be happy. And oh, yeah. it, well, here's the reality. That's impossible. And you're never going to be happy, right? Because happiness is an emotion, yeah, right? It is not a state of being, being yeah. right? Right. I want to experience the emotion of happiness. That's sure. my reality, right? But I can't be happy. That's like, I can be content, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so what's my goal every day is I wake up and I, I get to a place of contentment, right? That doesn't guarantee me the emotion of happiness is going to happen to me. But what it does do is it opens the door, right? Because I've never, I've never experienced the emotion of happiness without first being content. Right. So I look for my, I have, you know, I mentioned earlier, my non-negotiables that like I have a terrorist mind, right? It's trying to kill me. Hmm. Right. And so I don't negotiate with terrorists. (laughs) Right. And so I don't want to do the cold plunge. Guess what? You're doing the cold plunge because yeah, I don't yeah. negotiate with you. Yeah. Like you're not in charge. You're yeah. fired. You got fired a long time ago. <laughs> I know when I'm done with this, I'm going to feel better. Right. I don't really like running, to be honest with you. Yeah. I've never liked running. I don't, I don't really enjoy it all that much. But what I do enjoy is the man that it creates. Sure. The discipline that it entails in me, and honestly, the mental clarity that it provides once I've accomplished that. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't want to run 465 straight days. But I, I want to be that man who can do that. Yeah. Right. You guys talk about it all the time. Discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Because look, Goggin says it. You heard it. Jocko says it. Jocko Willick, if you're familiar yeah. with oh, him. Oh yeah, Jocko. Like, yep. Yeah. Like. Dude, motivation is garbage. Yep. <laughs> get, yep. Get rid of it. Like, I, like motivation is great until you step outside and it's negative one and you got to go run because motivation, <laughs> yeah. you're going to walk back inside. Yep. But what you need, right? You guys talk about discipline, but what what is the underlining thing that really makes discipline work is drive. Yeah. I'm, I want to be driven. What drives mm-hmm. me? What, what yeah. drives me? And it's like, I got to figure those things out. What, what drives me to get to the place where, you know, but with all that said, for me today, a very important part of that, and I know Jenny mentioned it in, in the podcast with you guys, is grace. Grace. I yeah. have to have grace for myself, mm-hmm. right? Because I am human. And here, here, Spoiler alert, humans are flawed, (laughs) right? Absolutely. You guys were talking with George on your earlier podcast, and it's like, it's progress 
towards perfection. Yeah. Right. It's progress towards perfection with the knowing that there's no such thing as perfect. Right. Yeah. Right. But I want that aim. Right. I want that aim towards perfection. It's progress. It's growth. And it like that. So where would I start? I think learning about the levels of consciousness and, 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 you know, understanding the, here's the only thing that I know that's 100% fact about human emotions. It's the only thing I know for certain about them, right? There's a lot to try to understand about them, but the only thing that I can promise you about my human emotions and your two guys' human emotions, here's the only thing that's absolute fact. They change. Yeah. They change. So I understand that on the good side and on the bad side. So when I'm feeling good, I know it's going to change. Sure. Just yeah. like when it's it's down in the dumps, guess what? It's going to change. Yeah. So there, and so through my life, what I've un- come to understand is like there's always a bounce. There's always a bounce. You gotta you gotta you gotta find the bounce, right? And so it's like when those bad things happen, like the reality that I live in today is that there's not an aspect of my past that I that I would go back and change, and, and like I wouldn't like you know and. I was having a conversation a couple of years ago with a good friend of mine um, and I hadn't seen her for a while and, and we were catching up and, you know, and she was talking about like, man, like uh, to, I just couldn't imagine like, you know, what you went through losing both your parents in that short of time. And, and I, and I told her, I was like, look, like, like, it's okay. Like I'm good with it. And she's like, well, I, like, come on, it's okay to, to, to not be okay with it. And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. The reality that I live with today, that is if I had a Aladdin's lamp and I rubbed it and I got three wishes, like bringing my parents back, wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> right. It wouldn't be right now. I'm also realistic. And I, you know, and I just had this conversation yesterday with my therapist. Are there moments that I miss my parents? Oh Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. But how I look at it, like, I don't, do you guys have children? I'm not sure. I do um, not. I do I do, okay. not. Yep. I don't either, but I, I do know that I have nieces and nephews mm-hmm. and I have, I have friends that have children. Mm-hmm. And the reality of that is that all of those people that are right of mine that I know that I'm close to would step out in traffic for their parents mm-hmm. or for their children that mm-hmm. are parents. Right. Yep. And so how I look at it is that, if my parents were here still today, maybe I would just be a very highly functional alcoholic, right? Mm. Because it wasn't until they both passed that I really got, I really got into my drinking and I mm-hmm. really, and, and like I mentioned the, the thing with the doctor where I have these things where I can, I go back and like, this is not normal, right? Yeah. Well, I had this moment and I'm talking about within hours of my father's passing. This, this thought went through my head and this is not a normal, healthy, normal person thought It's like, wow, like no one can say anything to me about my drinking ever again. I have a green light go Mm -hmm. because, and and, and people tried to, because people cared about me and they'd see me at the bar and I would be blacked out and they'd be like, yo, Jake, I don't know if you need that drink, man. Like, you know, you know, you're, I think you're good. And I would turn to him and I'd say, you know, I would say some not very kind words. And then I'd say, yeah. 
do you know, do you know what I've been through? Do you know what my life is like? Like, what if you lost both your parents? What would you be doing? And it would, they would be like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I would be doing the exact same thing he's doing. And, and no, it's like, but like, that was, that's not a healthy, normal thought. Like that's a thought of, of somebody who's looking for an excuse to drink. Looking for a reason. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you know, it, and so on some level of awareness, consciousness of our souls, I think both my parents gave up their life so I can be here eight years mm-hmm. sober helping other I mean, because we talked about it, right? Like I told you what the, the principles that my parents put into me to be mm-hmm. a good man, to be a good mm-hmm. person, to treat others the way that I want to be treated. All these things that I really didn't, I just like, you yeah, know, no, I don't got time for that. But guess what? Today I get to I get to practice that. And I, today I get to wake up and I get to choose. And I, I try to do my best to choose on a daily basis to be the man that my parents raised me to be. Yeah. Right. And, and it's like, like, that's, that's all they really, you know, you know, and it's like, I don't know what you, you know, I think like, I don't want to get too spiritual here, but like, there's a difference between religion and spirituality. Oh, for sure. That's a fact. Yep. That's just a yep. fact. Like, and, and I have appreciation for both. A great mm-hmm. appreciation because I don't have, you know, I grew up Catholic. I have a, a profound respect for the Catholicism religion. I think it's great. You know, um, I certainly don't walk with the same God that I grew up with. But mm-hmm. also like tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have the God that fits me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it's not good enough for... I'm not who I am today. So the God that I have today isn't going to be good enough for Jake tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, and, and the awesome thing that I've been able to cultivate is that when I say the word God, right, there's not another soul in this universe that knows what I mean. Sure. It's a God individual to me. Yep. Like I said, I only, I only use the word God because I, if you guys know a shorter word, let me know. <laughs> I, don't. I just haven't found one. But the yeah. cool thing is that like nobody, you know, and I don't tell anybody that they need like, this is for me. This yeah. isn't for anybody else. Yeah. Right. But I can share what I've been able to create and how I've created that and things have helped me learn about myself. And, 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 you know, so it's like, you know, I, I, I have this, this understanding and it's like, there's a saying, right. That people who have religion, uh, you know, they have a religion because, you know, they fear hell and people who have spirituality have spirituality because they've been through hell. Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, by the grace of God, I sit here in front of you and it's like, I have a stated purpose. I wake up every, every day, right. I have, I have my morning practice, right. And it's, it's, it's one of those non-negotiables and it's like, I have to have this so I can at least have a chance in the world every day. Cause when I don't do it, I don't have, I have no chance, Mm -hmm. no chance. It's, it's you're. And so it's like, I, I meditate and pray do affirmations and every morning that's the, you know, I make my coffee and I sit down in the same place of my house and do this practice is what I call it. Yeah. Yeah. But before I get into my practice, I have a, a stated purpose and I say, God, open up my mind, open up my heart, reach in and touch my soul so I can be of maximum service to you and to the men, women, and children that I go about today. God, please give me the power to live and be this purpose. 
I say it out loud. And it's like, I, I have a stated purpose. I have a purpose that God put me here. And it's like, I say it out loud. Now what's that look like every day? It looks a little different, right? Cause that's, and it's like, I've had to understand that. Right. Cause that's really broad in general, like to be a maximum service to God and others like that's, you know, what's that look like? I don't know. Maybe some days it's just at the gas station, seeing somebody walking to the pump, just standing there for 15 seconds and holding the door open yeah, and just smiling at them and saying, Hey, good afternoon. Have a great day. Right. It's like, it's just do something nice for somebody. Right. And so it's like, I don't have, I'm not going to tell anybody like spirituality, religion, like here's my philosophy when it comes to those things. It's like what I, what I don't have time for is for people who do these practices or religions or spirituality, whatever it is. And they go out into the world and are unkind or, or put negative energy into the world. Right. And then they justify it by saying, well, I went to church last week and (laughs) I can just go to church next week and say, I'm sorry. Yeah. I I don't have time for that. What I do have time for is people who do these things, whatever it is, individual unique to them, they go into that practice or that religion or whatever it is. And they go back out into the world and they put just a a little bit of good into the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, whatever that is, keep doing it. Yeah. Because that's what this world needs. Yep. Right. And I don't have, I don't have any, I don't have any right to tell anybody, even the people that do, that do do that. Like it's not my business. Like, but, but it's like, I don't, I think that it can get construed and, and people justify actions because just because they're a part of something. And it's like, I, I've seen enough of that in my life that I don't need to be. I love that. I love that message. And, and speaking of, you know, you know, your purpose and, and really just, um, you know, your overall goal of just trying to help people. Um, obviously you've shared a wealth of information today. Um, but if you were to get to one thing, okay, this is the, the, the big question that we always ask. Um, and it's hard to narrow it down, but if there was just one small thing that someone could do tomorrow, they could start tomorrow to try to maybe shift the energy and kind of, kind of turn the tides a little bit to move in, in a more positive direction, whatever that might be, whatever that need might be, physical, spiritual, um, emotional, what's one thing you could tell listeners to try to put into practice tomorrow? I would say, it is an understanding. Have this understanding if you want. If not, cool. But it's what I've come to learn through my experiences today. Is that for me in my life, mistakes are absolutely necessary. I have to have them. I have to have them, right? What is not necessary is repeating those mistakes, okay. right? So make a mistake. Awesome. That's great. That's a great place to be. Learn from it. And that's where the growth is. Don't repeat it, right? Where yeah. we get into these, these ruts is that we, we get into these poor habits that we continue to make these wrong decisions, these mistakes, if you will, right? Like I've made enough, I've made a lot of mistakes. I mean, enough for all three of us <laughs> a couple right? times over right yeah. yeah absolutely right but what i today what i understand is like when i make them i'm excited i sure. just made a mistake it's like but like what am i gonna do with that 
what am yeah. I, that's data. What am I going to do with that yeah. data? Am I going to, you know, it's like the best litmus test of where I am spiritually on a daily basis is like right in a car with me. Huh. Right. Mm. How do I act on the road? Right. Yeah. Cause, cause somebody's going to, you know, it's going to be my turn at a stop sign and someone's going to think it's theirs and they're going to go ahead of me. Like, how yeah. do I react to that? Sure. Right. Or, or if somebody's merging in the highway and they speed up to cut me off and get in, it's like, how do I react to that? Right. It's like, yeah. you know, when I'm in a good place, I'm just like, cool. Or somebody speeds yeah. and cuts me off. Like, I don't know what, maybe their wife is pregnant in the hospital and right. she's having a kid and he's speeding to the hospital. I don't know. Or maybe it's an old person and, and they don't see me. Right. Am I going to curse that person out? Would I want somebody cursing my grandma out? Yeah. I hope not. Right. So it's like the biggest, like, how am I acting in my world today? Yeah. Like what, what, you know, what's that look like? You know, it's like, you know, one of the oldest philosophies and, you know, from Proverbs, it's like you reap what you sow, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you put good into the world, it's going to come back. You put crap into the world. Well, guess what's coming back at you? Crap, mm-hmm. right? I can't go outside in my backyard and plat plant cucumbers and say, I can't wait for those strawberries to grow. (laughs) And then when cucumbers come up, be like, where are the strawberries? Why the cucumbers are coming up out of the ground. Well, I I wanted strawberries. Well, you put cucumbers in Jake. Well, I wanted strawberries. That's the same thing, man. Like I want good things to happen to me. So what am I putting out there? Like, you know, like, are are you putting bad out? Well, guess Guess what's coming back to you? Yeah. You know, and sometimes I need that bad to learn from. Yeah. Right. But it's like, that's, it's, there are universal laws. They're just, they're part of our reality, right? Whatever this reality is, right? They're, they're, they're rules. They're laws that, you know, they, they happen. You can either pay attention to them, play along in the game or ignore them and struggle through it. I've done both. Yeah. Yeah. It's way, it's yeah. way easier to learn the laws and play, play, play. Well, that's game. good. I, I, I like, I like the message of, of, uh, understanding that you're going to make mistakes and figuring out how to learn from them and, and just simply not, uh, not make us make it again. So, um, I think that's a great message. And there is, there is a ton of stuff that we didn't even hit on, um, uh, that maybe down the road, maybe we connect again. Um, Cause there's, there's some stuff that I would love to ask you about some of the things, uh, you know, related to the, the, the radio business and how you got in that and how you got out of that. And, uh, obviously you got the book coming out that you guys uh, reach out to me anytime to. I'm, I'm available, you know, we can, we yeah. can always work something out. And even if it's, you know, we're cultivating connections here, right? right? Absolutely. So like, right. like you guys, you guys right. need something off air or off, you know, yeah. Use me as a resource. Well, we we appreciate that, Jake. And this is this and is I would probably say, and I would say likewise back, Jake. If there's absolutely. anything that you need from us, heck, we're here, man. We wanna we wanna help, man. So and I love it, and I love what you the the way that you ended it is what I have um, just is 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 on my heart right now. Is you put good out in the world, mm-hmm. um, and, and and let that go, and put keep putting good out in the world, man. I that is powerful powerful selfishly one of the favorite things uh about jason and i going down this path and this this journey is is what you just said jay cultivating connections and and meeting people i mean 
two months ago, I didn't know who you were, <laughs> you know, and, and now we've had this opportunity to make a connection and, and, uh, and it's beautiful. It's, it's just, it's fantastic. So we appreciate it, um, so much taking the time to, to connect with us. And, and I just, I wish you nothing but, but the best of success and, and happiness and, and joy and, and gratitude and all the, everything, everything positive. So, um, well, I, I, I appreciate, I want to tell you guys, I, I, I'm, I'm fans. I enjoy the work that you're doing. Keep, keep putting out good stuff. I mean, we are, we are in an interesting time of humanity. Um, that, uh, what a great time to be alive, but but, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's like, it's like nothing else, man. So it's like, we got to, we have to um, do our best to to leave this a better place than we found it. You know, my father always taught me that. Anytime we go camping, we leave it yeah. better than we found yeah. it. You know, it's like Absolutely. I'm fans of you guys. I, I think you guys are doing great work. Um, so continue doing it. You you can tell like you guys are getting better, and it's fun to watch. You know, <laughs> I appreciate so, that. That's what we needed to hear right there. Today, <laughs> no, you brother. are, man. It's 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 been a cool thing to watch. You know, just just getting ready for this. I. I when you first asked me a month ago, you know, I think you'd only done like three shows. Yeah. We were, so. like just, and two of them the, were us. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like, it's been awesome. It's been awesome to get to know you guys. And it's like, you know, you, you're open books. And that's like, there's there's a level of of authenticity that, you know, you can't you can't fake it, right? You right. are what you are, man. And it's like, yeah. you guys, you guys present it properly. You guys are good natured men. Um, I'm I'm happy to call you guys friends now. Um, oh, we so appreciate right back that. at you. Absolutely. Right back at you. So you know, shameless plug for me. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jake Goody, and uh, <laughs> check out my website samuraiofsoul.com. Um, you can if, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me on the website. You can schedule a call with me. I do these 15 minute coffees um, because you know I'm I'm trying to 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 be of service to man. And, you know, also I'm trying to cultivate, you know, we have to, we have to live in this world. And part of living in this world is, you know, we have to play the game and part of that game is business, you know? So I'm trying to, yeah, we'll make sure we put all that information in the show. And you know what, Jake, you, you are, you, you know what, Uh, that was, that was what I was mind. What I was going to ask you is where can you follow? But you are just, you know, you're a producer. You already know all that stuff. You're one step ahead of me, brother. But Hey, Jake, Seriously, again, cannot thank you enough. I'm going to wrap us up here, close us out. And and again, your story uh, is impactful. It's powerful. It's your story. And I hope, um, and I'm putting that out there in the universe, that it's going to connect with somebody. And again, maybe someone's going to connect with you. Uh, they know how to get a hold of you. We'll put that in the show notes. And we'll keep uh, raising our frequency. We'll keep putting good out in the world. And uh, Jake, again, appreciate it. Much gratitude. Love you. And with that, we out.